Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Boise, Junior Dos Santos versus Blagoy Ivanov. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday, UFC in Boise. And uh, it's a pretty stacked card, my man. Yeah, from top to bottom, a lot of good fights going on. A lot of guys making their returns. A lot of people that are on that chopping block as well. So it's going to be a great card. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know... We, we can talk about how Max Bet season is going down this weekend, but we got to talk about the important news, my man, because uh, Brendan Shaw broke the internet yesterday, Shaq, and uh, apparently a lot of people didn't know what Eskimo brothers are, but let's just put it this way. Apparently, uh, my boy uh, Dana White's been sharing uh, prize possession with uh, Brendan Shaw all along, huh? You know, uh, you know, yeah, but well, we all knew this at, at the end of the day. We know that uh, my boy Dana likes to... Uh, hang out with his, his female employees from time to time. So, you know, it, it wasn't shocking. But, you know, my boy, Brendan Schaub, you know, had to be the little pussy that he is and snitch on everyone. You know, this kind of reminds me of when Mike Perry snitched on my boy Jeremy uh, for that uh, situation with this girl. But, you know, Schaub should have kept it. Schaub should have kept it under. You know, as a guy, guy code always says, when things are along those sides, you just stay shut. But, hey, it is what it is. It was fucking hilarious, you know. But at the end of the day, my boy, Coach Edmund, hit it first, just like my boy Ray J hit Kim K first, so, you know, <laughs> Coach Edmund hit it first. He's number one. <laughs> so, uh, you think Perry was in the wrong? I mean, Jeremy went up to his girl. But, oh, 100%. You two are both fighters, so you handle it between you. But don't go on the fucking internet, oh, Jeremy tried to fucking hit on my girl, and then y'all are fighting on the same card, and you're like, fuck Jeremy Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. It was hilarious what Brandon Shop said. I'm glad he said it just because uh, he broke the internet. And now I want to see Dana White go below the belt. I want to see him air out dirty laundry. I want to see him fucking cross every single line. But Brandon should have realistically left that little part out. He could have said the whole thing about, you know, oh, Frank and Lorenzo held your hand and this and that. Okay, cool, whatever. Even though, you know, between you and me, uh, Dana's a huge part of the UFC. But... That's fine. Say all that shit. No big deal. But he definitely crossed the line. But I love this shit. I love controversy. I, let's fucking keep this shit going. So I hope Dana comes out. I, I want to see this go to the championship distance, man. I think my boy Dana is going to keep his mouth shut before uh, Shab. Uh, Shab already told him last warning. So, so what do you think uh, these secrets Shab knows about? What do you think Shab will reveal if Dana goes to the next level? My boy Dana, you know, tells, tells some of the girls to come up to the uh, Copacabana suite on fight week and, you know. It is what it is. <laughs> nah, there's a uh, my boy Dana is really running this shit, huh? <laughs> you know, Sean gets the leftovers. And <laughs> <laughs> now I'm uh, I'm excited to see uh, where the story develops. I hope they take it to the championship rounds, Jack. <laughs> so uh, let's break down this car start to finish. Because first up in in the women's division, we got Jody Escabel. She's minus one thirty. The comeback on Jessica Aguilar is plus one ten. Now they were originally supposed to fight last month. Jessica Aguilar pulled out the day of the fight. Now they're fighting again, and uh, who you got? I got Jody Escobar once again. I think Aguilar's from the Stone Age of the strawweight division, back when girls like Barb Honchak were relevant, back when girls like Angela Magana were re relevant. You know, she's from the Stone Age of the uh, female MMA, and her game hasn't developed. She's about 34, 35 years old. She's not improving at all, no head movement. She's a tough Mexican fighter, but that's all she's got. She's just tough, you know. She hit those single legs on Courtney Casey, and what she do? She got beat while Courtney Casey was on bottom. And by the way, Courtney Casey has zero takedown defense, as we've seen from all her UFC fights. And, you know, a lot of people are sleeping on my girl Jody in this spot. You know, I feel like the line should be a little bit wider. You know, I feel like uh, even though Jody's got an ugly record, if you really, you know, pay attention to that record, you go and watch her fight against Ashley Oda 
and tough, you would have seen that she got completely robbed. And then, you know, her fight with Carolina, she went in there at three rounds and, you know, held her own. Of course, she's going to lose to Carolina, but hey, at least she went three rounds. She got that experience in Carolina's hometown. And there's no shame in that. Now she's getting a step down in competition. This is a girl that handles her business you know, when she's supposed to handle her business. We know that she's going to lose to the Grasso's, you know, the Carolinas, the things of that nature. But, you know, when she's supposed to get the win line, when she's supposed to, when she's fighting Deanna Bennett, I mean, she took care of business in that fight. Deanna Bennett's a tough female fighter for a lot of these girls, especially, and she's way bigger than Jody too. So I think Jody's going to come out here, use her movement, use her angles, use that pro boxing experience, the teeps to the body, you know, start up at the body, then come up to the head and just, you know, outpoint Jessica Aguilar 30-27 on all three cards. I think she's going to stuff the takedowns. We've seen her stuff the takedowns uh, several times against Deanna Bennett and Ashley Yoder. So, you know, I got Jody Escobel. I don't think Aguilar is making any improvements. You know, she's coming off that uh, where she got that weight cut herpy a month ago. So, you know, she's going to have to do another one of those weight cuts. So I got Jody Escobel. You know, when Jessica Aguilar was in her prime, she was known for being a tough Mexican fighter. She was always known for overcoming, you know, her athletic deficits by being so tough. But now she can't even do that anymore, Shaq. I mean, when you're going up against Courtney Casey, and, you know, we've called Courtney Casey a habitual loser for a long time, and Courtney Casey tries her best to throw that fight away. Courtney Casey gets taken down four times. Courtney Casey is off her back and still wins the fight 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards, Shaq. That, to me, shows that you don't have the ability to win anymore. And, you know, all, obviously all the rumors came out that, you know, she was using steroids in her prime. But her prime, I mean, even, even if she wasn't using steroids, which between you and me she was, but even if she wasn't, her prime was against Megumi Fuji and Angela Magani and you know it's it's just a different era now so I got uh I got Jody Escobel to get this win as well now next up in the men's flyweight division we got Elias Garcia he's minus 140 the comeback on Mark De La Rosa is plus 120 now I know last week uh Steven Ocho Peterson he was talking some shit about Mark De La Rosa I don't know if you heard that because uh, they were supposed to fight on the regional scene in a title fight in LFA and Mark actually pulled out the day of uh, the wins, but I heard I heard the story from some of Mark's boys. I heard that uh, Ocho Peterson's team, so they missed weight by three pounds. Steven? Steven Peterson missed weight by three pounds, and then miraculously, you know, half an hour later, uh, you know, they take the scale around the backstage. You know, no one can see, and then he miraculously makes weight. So Mark uh, De La Rosa was like, "Yo, fuck that, dude. He didn't make weight. Like, I'm not taking this fight." But so since then, they've had a rivalry. But back to this fight, who you got, Elias or uh, Mark? Yeah, you know, I like Elias. He's the cousin of Sergio and Anthony. And, you know, Sergio and Anthony have been putting in a little bit of work lately. I know that has nothing to do with this fight. But, you know, his fight against Adam, Adam uh, Antolin, a tough flyweight. I mean, he knocked that guy out stiff in Mexico in front of Dana White. So On a fucking yeah, cruise ship, exactly. I think. <laughs> you know, so... He, uh, he's no slouch, and we know Casey Kenny fought Anselin, and, you know, he got robbed. Anselin's a tough out. The fact that he knocked him stiff says a lot. You know, De La Rosa had a tough debut. He got dominated by a flyweight, uh, below 500 flyweight. You know, um, I didn't see the fight going down that way, but props to Tim Elliott. Um, you know, you know that uh, his girlfriend is... Uh, my girl Montana, they've been putting in some work at Factory X and uh, and up there in Texas. But, you know, I think uh, Elias Garcia is going to take this. You know, I think... Uh, I think De La Rosa is going to come out strong, but I don't think he's going to be able to keep it up. I think he'll win the first round, but I think the next two rounds, Garcia will, you know, butcher his body in. And, you know, that uh, I think uh, De La Rosa is going to take this out. Yeah, look, De La Rosa, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's a very tough guy. I just kind of thought, like, he should have cut his teeth a little bit more on the regional scene before he got to the UFC. I might be wrong because, look, he comes <laughs> out here and, and he wins this fight, then, you know, I'll shut up. But I personally think that... Uh, 
Elias is on a different level. So I see Elias being the more well-rounded guy here, and I see him taking this win. Next up in the UFC featherweight division, we got Kurt Hollibow. He's minus 185. The comeback on Raoni Barcelos is plus 160. Now, uh, you think my boy uh, Kurt Hollibow is going to be uh, finding a way to use that IV after this weigh-in? Yeah, that's a big thing. He's not going to have that IV for this fight. And, you know, Kurt Hollibow, he's a tough guy. You know, his one UFC fight back in the day, he got cut right away uh, after one fight. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that just shows you what they thought of him back then. You know, I feel like a lot of – he is a two-way world champion and Titan. But between you and me, he got one of those belts by robbery. But Des Green finds a way to lose fights a lot. So, you know, props to Kurt Hollibaugh. You know, oh, he knocked out Matt Bissett. Like, you know, congrats, congrats kid. But, you know, I think uh, we have a new Brazilian weasel in the UFC roster. My boy Rione, you know, he's a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but he just likes to knock guys the fuck out. Instead, we saw him knock out Dan Moret stiff on the local scene. Um, he is coming off a two-year layoff. He but prepped that chin for Gilbert's Reno. Exactly. He is coming off a two-year layoff, but the thing is with these Brazilian weasels, they find a way to win. And especially against guys like Kurt Hollibaugh, who have a big name value right now for some reason, because I guess he did win two belts in Titan. But the thing is, he was fighting Yostani Cespedes and, you know, jobbers, you know, habitual losers. So, you know, I got my boy Ioni for the upset here. I think he's going to land the more powerful shots on the feet. I think Kurt's going to be willing to trade with him. And I think uh, Ioni's going to put him in his fa- in his place fast. And I think on the mat, Ioni's got this all day. So I'm going to take the upset uh, with my boy Ioni. Man, I'm really curious uh, how Kurt Holbo is going to rehydrate for this fight. Because obviously you guys know he got banned for using uh, illegal IVs. You know you're not allowed to use IVs anymore to rehydrate. And Kurt Holbo is a massive 145 or so. You know, that could really fuck with him if he doesn't uh, have his shit in order. And uh, Ryoni making his UFC debut here. You know, this guy is really underrated. A lot of people don't know who this guy is. Dangerous Brazilian striker. And uh, he'll sit back and wait. He's patient, but when the time comes to uh, land one of those big bombs, he knows how to do that too. And I think he's pretty experienced making his UFC debut here. So it won't surprise me to see him come out here and get this upset, and I'll actually go ahead and pick him. So I'm going to go with uh, Ryoni Barcelos as well. And next up, we got Liz Carmouche. She's minus 130. The comeback on Jennifer Maya is plus 110. Now, Shaq, uh, Jennifer Maya, former Invicta champion, making her UFC debut here against the vet Liz Carmouche. Which way are you going? Yeah, you know, I got my girl Jenny Maya in this one. You know, Liz Carmouche is a below 500 fighter in the UFC. And, you know, I thought in her last fight, I thought she was going to beat Alexis Davis's ass. But then she showed me that she's not a... Uh, She's still stuck in the still stuck in the going armbar for armbar stage. You know, she's supposed to be this tenth planet EBI, you know, shit, but she's still engaging in typical um, she's still engaging in the shit I saw on that season of Tough on that with that Nico one, you know what I'm saying? The back and forth armbar shit. And she's been in the UFC since fucking God knows, she's the first fighter, first female to ever step in the uh, UFC cage. She's a habitual loser, in my opinion. You know, she finds that Alexis Davis fight pretty much solidified that Liz Carmouche. She literally is the first female finds, to step inside the UFC yeah, cage. She's, she finds every possible way to lose. That Alexis Davis fight, first round, you, uh, you know, you win the first round, but what happens in the last 30 seconds? You get in an arm bar. And now that round's up for question. No judge scored every round the same. All the scorecards are all over the place. And then, you know, the second round, you uh, you get taken down when uh, Alexis, you know, uh, catches a kick and you just stay on your back for the rest of the round. But then you come back towards the end of that round. And in the third round, it's one-to-one. 
probably. You got the fight in the bag. You're on top for a good three minutes, four minutes. And what do you do in the last 30 seconds? You get swept and mounted, and then you get, you know, you lose the fight. So, you know, that's finding a way to lose. You had the fight in the bag. That's that's like some certain Asia shit. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you had it, and you couldn't. That's why she's three and four. And, you know, her fight against Lauren Murphy, you know, Lauren Murphy, jobber. Liz, you know, Liz, Liz, Liz got her hand raised, but it was a very close fight. She got taken down two or three times in that fight. You know, Liz, Liz ain't going to blow anyone out the water. I know she did uh, have that upset against Caitlin Chukagan, but when you look more into it, firstly, Chukagan ain't shit. Like, she's just... Chukagan dropped one. Uh, exactly. The Liz. third round. The first two rounds, she, she tries to give you the fight at every... At every possible way. And my girl Jennifer Maya, you know, she's had some uh, losses back in the day to Sheila Gaff. But, you know, people, if you want to give her shit, be shit because of that, I mean, you really don't know shit about women's MMA. We know that all these girls have, you know, a couple weird losses on their record. I mean, Tisha lost to fucking Random Marcos at one point. You know what I'm saying? Like, it happens. Like, these chicks. And uh, if you look at the odds in that fight, she wasn't even supposed to win that fight. She was, like, plus 255. So they weren't counting her to win that fight. When she lost to Deanna Bennett, she was a plus 200 underdog. She wasn't supposed to win that fight. So, you know, I think Jennifer Mai has been making improvements. You know, she's a Muay Thai champion. She's a Brazilian. She just got her Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. When she moves forward, that's where uh, she's going to take uh, advantage in this fight. When Liz Carmouche moves backwards she's super uh she doesn't like getting hit you know what i'm saying after grappling exchanges she backs up and you know some girl she's able to capitalize on her athleticism against and certain girls she's not i don't think she is against jennifer maya jennifer maya you know her fight against roxanne mataferi who's top five you know she uh you know she got taken down a couple times but she reversed it and then from rounds three four and five she stuffed every takedown her fight against uh the pole the super hyped up pole aga need need whatever is that her last name is um you know those posts like, <laughs> those post last names <laughs> that girl was super hyped and i know a lot of you motherfuckers bet on her too because you know she was carolina's training partner and you know all this shit you know so and my girl jennifer meyer put her in her place you know what i'm saying she tied her up she brutalized her against she that get fence. dropped in that first round she did get dropped in that first round but she showed uh, what a true champion does you know what i'm saying worst case scenario she still came back and won a 49 46 on all three cards so you know i got my girl jennifer Meyer here i think she's the more efficient fighter and then you know in that second fight she didn't get taken down at all by aga who's a judo uh who's got serious judo and jiu-jitsu credentials so i got my girl uh, jennifer Meyer here i think she's going to move forward land the more effective shots i think liz carmouche is scared to get hit on the chin i don't think she's making the right improvements and i think even when liz carmouche does get on top if you really pay attention who's landing the more strikes when uh, Liz Carmouche is on top, she doesn't do anything on top. When Misha, when she took Misha Tate down, Misha Tate outstruck her from her back, and then she got up, and, you know, because Misha Tate has that forward pressure, Liz Carmouche started closing her eyes and throwing punches because she was scared to get hit, and she lost the fight because Misha Tate was a little tougher. She lost because Alexis Davis was a little tougher. Now, because she was fighting Lauren Murphy, Lauren, we know Lauren Murphy ain't tough, so of course she's going to scrape that one out. And, you know, K Kaitlyn Chukagan's like the Marina Moroz of uh, 125. She's a fairy. She just hits air and makes a bunch of tennis sounds. So, you know, I got my girl Jennifer Maya by 30-27 decision. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the issue with Liz Carmouche here, and this ain't a new thing, Shaq. This has been going on for her whole career, is that she loves to gift you fights. She loves to give away that win. And Back in, even when she fought Marlos Kuna. Oh, Kuhn. yeah. I was about to bring that up right now. I mean, I remember when she was dominating Marlos Kuna. It looks like she's about to be, you know, the Strikeforce champion. And then she's like, here, take my arm. 
take my arm, Marlouis. And, uh, you know, she's had many moments like that throughout her UFC career. That last fight with Alexis Davis, you're taking on someone who's coming off a two-year maternity leave. Matter of fact, speaking of that, so Alexis Davis got submitted by Sarah McMahon in the first round, 30% takedown defense, and got taken down five times. Second round. Se- no? Second round versus McMahon. Second round, yeah. Second round versus, but she got dominated by Sarah McMahon in a fight. You know what I'm saying? Any girl that gets dominated by Sarah McMahon. The reason I know I went to the second is because Sarah said she couldn't feel her face. face. (laughs) Typical Sarah. (laughs) Quit, quit, quit. But, uh, oh yeah, and that fight with Cindy Dandor. Guess who took down Cindy Dan- uh, Alexis Davis five times? Cindy fucking Daniel. Alexis Davis gets taken down on the reg, so I'm not going to put too much stock into those trip takedowns because we know in the clinch, my girl Jennifer Myers. If you watch the tape, you know, my girl Jennifer Myers handles her business in the clinch. So, again, like I was saying, Liz Carmouche finds a way to gift you these fights. This ain't nothing new. This has been going on for a long time since the strike force days. And I don't think it's going to be any different here. I mean, when you're taking on someone coming off a two-year maternity leave, and they just quit against Sarah McMahon. They got these massive love handles, and you go out there and gift them that fight. It's just, uh, let's just say Jennifer Maya has a lot more upside and potential than uh, than Liz Carmouche does. Liz Carmouche, she's at the tail end. So I, I see uh, Jennifer Maya coming out here. Her Muay Thai is too strong. Her jiu-jitsu is on point. Just don't lay on your back and lose a decision, and you're, you'll most likely win this fight. So I got Jennifer Maya as well. Next up in the welterweight division, we got Randy Brown. He's minus 125. The comeback on Nico Price is plus 105. Now, you know we got a lot of love for both these guys. In their last fights, they both came out, cashed max bets. Uh, Randy beat Mickey Gall. George, uh, uh, Nico Price beat George Sullivan. You know, very dominant performances. But now they fight each other. So who you got? They did come through for us uh, in their fights. Randy came through big time with that 10-unit play against uh, Mickey Mickey the fraud, and then, you know Nico uh, came through for uh, came through for us against Sullivan. You know Nico. Uh, you know uh, Mickey Gall and George Sullivan are fighting each other too, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know that's going to be a good fight. So you know Randy uh, came through for his big time against Mickey, even though he pretty much beat Mickey in the exact area where we didn't want him to fight at, but he still dominated him. I thought the first and third were 10-8s. And, you know, Randy, we've been looking for this performance out of him for years. and well, Not years, but he's only been in the UFC for a couple years. But we've been looking for that performance. And, you know, Nico, what a crazy run he had, you know, when he knocked out Alex Morono stiff, when he drew banned stiff, um, submitted Brandon Thatch in his debut, um Sullivan. Sullivan. But the thing what's what's uh, alarming me with Nico is his damage meter. He's been taking a lot of damage. And that Morono fight he got dropped about two or three times. You know, but his pressure, you know, he was able to stand there and pressure and knock Morono out. And then um his fight with Juban, you know, J- my boy Juban's barely hanging on these days, uh, <laughs> as you can see from his last fight. But and his know, recent pullout. And his recent pullout, he's barely holding on these days. But um and then who else did I say he fought? Um Oh, yeah, and Sullivan. And, and and the Sullivan fight, that's when uh, I'm starting to see a little bit of the damage might be taken a little. We saw in the Vicente fight. In the Vicente, oh, yeah, the Vicente fight where he got completely butchered and, you know, he didn't know what to do on the feet and he shot in and got dark show. But Vicente's no slouch show. You know, no shame in that, though. Um, but what I'm noticing with Nico is I feel like the damage is starting to add up with Nico. You know, I, I am seeing uh, a little a little in him, you know what I'm saying? So I think... Uh, you got to explain what that means to the fans. He's a, uh, you know, you hear that saliva in his mouth. He's getting, uh, he's getting a little punch drunk these days. I mean, Sullivan, his last fight, Sullivan took him down. Sullivan was out boxing him. 
I mean, we saw that one too that Sullivan landed and Nico uh, felt it. But luckily, we know Sullivan runs himself into the ground every fight, and that's why we, you know, put six over six units on Nico in that fight. Sullivan runs himself into the ground every time. So, you know, it was a, it was a good win. But I do think Nico Price's damage is starting to add up, and his training situation. He's no longer with ATT. You know, he's not putting in that work with Santiago anymore. He's doing his own thing. He's got his own gym. And to be honest, the gym looks like a shack. You know, <laughs> the gym looks like a like a little a, a little woodshed. <laughs> so you know and my boy randy problem in the past has always been the ground you know when he fought augusto montano he kind of got out positioned for two rounds and then he came back in the third round to uh finish him but between you and me it was one to one going into that third round and then uh you know his fight with mickey gall the second round you know he played around too much on the mat with his jujitsu so you know that is randy's problem but it's either now or never for Randy. He's either going to cut that bullshit out or he's still going to do it. I think he's going to cut it out for this fight. I think on the feet, it's going to be a mismatch, actually. Not not saying that Nico's not going to land any punches. I'm sure he's going to give Randy a nice little crack as well. But, you know, I think Randy's too fast out in space for Nico. I think the jab, the one-two, the teeps to the body, the front kicks. I just think that Nico's going to be a step behind Randy. And I think if Randy stays off the mat... I think he can get this fight by decision, and I think he can hurt Nico too. I think Nico's going to be really confused out in space, but I'll never, you know, uh, count out Nico. He's super tough. He's one of those scarecrows. You know, he's going to keep coming forward. You know, shots really don't affect him that much besides the Vicente fight, but I think the damages add up. I think the, the shots are going to affect him, so I got my boy Randy. Such a good fight. Have so much respect for both guys. I mean, Randy Brown... I had about a seven-unit play on him to beat Mickey Gall. You had a ten-unit play on him to beat Mickey Gall, and obviously, Nico Price came out and gave us our first winning event of 2018 when he beat George Sullivan with that max bet. So, love both these guys. I think that there's a myth about Randy Brown's takedown defense. I don't think his takedown defense is the issue. I think his get-up game is the issue because if you watch that Bilal Muhammad fight, it took Bilal Muhammad about seven minutes to get this guy down. But once he finally did get him down. Randy's got too much pride in his jiu-jitsu, and uh, he doesn't have too much urgency to get back up. He likes to play off his back and try to attempt triangles and do the whole bit. So against Nico Price, Nico actually has a pretty decent takedown game. I mean, you saw the fight with George Sullivan, beautiful body lock, beautiful lateral drop. So Randy's got to keep the standing. He's got to use that nice sprawl because you saw that sprawl against Mickey Gall. That was a serious sprawl. It's just uh, in the second round, he got swept. So, you know, if you're going to try to beat this guy in a jujitsu manner, which I highly doubt, I feel like he was trying to prove a point against uh, Nico Price. And I feel like in this fight, he can come out here, use his stand-up tools. And hopefully this is his coming out party, man. Hopefully this is finally the time where we see, oh, so this is why, you know, he had so much hype when he first came into the UFC. But Nico's a tough out for anyone. Nico can beat anyone. I mean, Nico hits hard as hell. He's well-rounded. He's an opportunistic finisher. You can never count the guy out. But I, I simply think Randy's more polished. And I think if he avoids getting taken down and held down, I think he'll go out here and win this fight. So I'm going to go with Randy Brown as well. And next up in the flyweight division, we got Saeed Nurmagomedov. He's minus 150. The comeback on Justin Scoggins is plus 130 now. Uh, so is my boy Justin Scoggins about to come out here, look like a future world champion, then dive headfirst into a guillotine choke, Shaq? Yeah, you know, Scoggins, man, it's unfortunate because, you know, we thought he was promised at one point, but that's never going to happen again. The guy's just too mentally unstable to, you know, have a performance like how he did against Ray Borg that night. Uh, when John, when That was back when Johnny fought... Uh, Wonder Boy that night. Uh, who else fought that night? Um, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Wonder Boy was on his path to a title shot, and I'll tell you right now, he ain't never getting to another title shot again. Johnny Hendricks <laughs> was in a UFC main event. <laughs> exactly. Johnny Hendricks was still a, a top five welterweight 
um, the last time. So people were betting Johnny Hendricks to beat Wonderboy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so that's that's how long ago Justin Scoggins has had his shit together, and we've seen this guy's antics several times. I mean, the guy's a head case, man. I mean, we've seen him at UFC 201 when he was supposed to fight Ian McCall, and he didn't make the weight. And we saw the, how he was acting uh, behind the scenes. I mean, the guy's the guy's weird, and we've seen him at local events too, man. And you know, it's funny. His brother's better than him. His brother's definitely way better than him. Shout out to my boy Jared Scoggins. He uh, he'll be in the UFC soon. He'll tap out his brother too. Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing I'm noticing, man. You know, uh, well, we know this. A lot of people might know this, but you know, we've seen Scoggins and. Uh, one of his teammates, and they kind of have the same thing. Uh, Sarah McMahon, we know that they come from the same uh, home gym, that Revolution gym. And uh, there's a common thing going on between those two. Strong first rounds. Second uh, second anything bad happens. It's Tap Tap City, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think uh, he's the Sarah McMahon of the flyweight division. With a karate style. With a karate style instead of wrestling. Style, <laughs> <instead of> wrestling. <laughs> They're both powerhouses early. They both fuck everyone up early. It's just the second things get tough, they find a way to go. So, you know, Sender Magomedov, I think he's more of a uh, one of the striking Russians more than a wrestling Russian. But I think he can wrestle. I think he wants it more. The only way I see him losing this fight is if he, you know, exchanged punches with him on the inside. Because, for three straight. Exactly, for three straight rounds. Because Scoggins offensively striking is just a better fight. He's pretty much better than everyone he's going to fight when it comes to just punches and kicks. So, you know, I think Sed's a long guy. I feel like he might make Scoggins switch it up and... Like how we saw against Sasaki, you know, Sasaki had the length and height on him, and uh, Scoggins wasn't sitting back and countering like how we see him do against Borg and Pedro because those guys are short. He got on the inside and tried to throw power punches, which uh, depleted his energy faster, which led him to getting tapped out. So, you know, I think something similar is going to happen here. I think Scoggins is going to get off to a good start early. Then I think Seth is going to, you know, wrestle him and just do what he has to do the next two rounds to get the victory. I think Scoggins is a habitual uh, like like Liz Carmouche, he finds a way to lose, and it is what it is. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and say if Scoggins figures it out because he just simply isn't gonna. Figure How many it times out. are we gonna say? That? <laughs> How many times are we gonna say that? We've been saying that for two fucking years. So, you know, I, I think Sed's gonna uh, get this by decision. I wouldn't shock me if Scoggins caught him on the chin, but I think Sed's gonna stay uh, composed. He's he's one of you know those Russians that are very well tested on the local scene. They fight Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. They fight other Russians who are fucking 30 and oh and shit like that the magomed magomedovs of the world and things like that fighting in front of katarov so i think uh nermagomedov's gonna get this uh close decision victory yeah i mean you know I, I think that justin scoggins just on talent alone i think he might be the best guy in the division you know for a while back before uh he would dive into a guillotine choke every single fight i actually thought that dude could have Maybe been the guy to go out there and beat DJ. I know that sounds hilarious to say now, but I just think he's that talented. But as you know, whoever said the you know this game is ninety uh, percent mental was a hundred percent correct, man. Because uh, he doesn't have the mental capabilities to be a world champion, and that's uh, and that's just fact. So you know, I, I think the first round and a half, I think the first seven minutes of this fight, you know, he's gonna go out here, he's gonna put a little karate clinic on my boy Saeed, but Saeed's Russian, which means he's tougher than Justin Scoggins, and I think he's going to bite down on that mouthpiece, and uh, when it's time to turn up, it's time to turn up, and uh, I I know he's a striker, but I I think he can mix in a takedown or two, or if not, I think he can hit Justin Scoggins on the chin and make him shoot for a takedown. So, and another thing is, we've seen Seth on that local scene. He's long. He's a long flyweight. We've seen him wrap up a couple of darses, a couple uh, arm in chokes. So don't uh, when Scoggins shoots in, we know it'll 
You know, it's going to be Tap Tap City. So, yeah, you know, fans of the show, let me know what that Saeed by submission prop is. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? <laughs> but, uh, oh, shit, here we got a good one, man. Next up, and I'm surprised this is on the prelims, too, but next up in the UFC featherweight division, we got Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. He's minus 310. The comeback on Darren the Damage Elkins is plus 255. Now, Shaq, always disrespecting my boy Darren the Damage Elkins. And once again, I'll he's, tell you why he's, he's the, the underdog. He's the James Vick of the featherweight division. They don't give a shit about him. <laughs> <laughs> James Vick's in a fucking main event, son. <laughs> hey, but he wasn't, you know what I'm saying, until this uh, opportunity came. Hey, he was in a co-man before that. <laughs> you know they would have demoted him to the prelims. But, uh, <laughs> you know, my boy Vick has to beat uh, the number 10, 9, 8, 7, and 6. You know, five. Vic has to beat the entire division and a weight class up to get a title shot. <laughs> you know, uh, Vic has to fight Hernandez after he beats uh, Gaethje. So, you know, uh, but anyways, my boy Elkins never gets his uh, respect. And, you know, to be honest, I want nothing to do with the fade Elkins train because the fading Elkins train is a losing recipe, man. I mean, just put it this way. What what is he on a five or six fight win streak? Six. I thought he was gonna lose all six. Of he those was the fights. dog in all six of those fights. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was gonna lose every fucking last one of those fights. You know, Dan's a witness. I'm. I was almost about to bet Bermudez. You know, when they were fighting. I was like, like it's like with Elkins. You say there's no way, like when Elkins fights, you like there's no way he does this. There's no way he does this. There's no way he does this. And guess what he does? He does, he does it. it. You know, when he fought Chad Skelly, the I think that was the second of the win streak. When he fought Chad Skelly, you know, I had Chad Skelly big. You know, everyone was saying Chad Skelly's a younger, you know, version of uh, Elkins. And Elkins went out there and did his thing, you know. He uh, out-wrestled him, you know. He outstruck him. He got through his adversity. You know, Elkins is a, a little – of course he's slow. He's a punching bag. He's not He's not fast. He's, he's a damage. Yeah, he's, he's the damage. That's what he said. He's like, I'm, un, I'm unathletic. I'm slow. I get hit a bunch, but I got cardio. I got heart, and I'll and I never quit. You know what I'm saying? And that gets him through these fights, you know. So these guys uh, these guys go in there thinking Elkins is going to be an easy fight. And uh, next thing you know, they're huffing and puffing after the first round, and then Elkins beats the living shit out of them. Next thing you know, they're undefeated record, ain't undefeated anymore. (laughs) So, you know, so I see a lot of people are saying this is going to be what Mursad should have done. But, you know, Mursad, I'll admit, you know, I don't think, I'll say Mursad beat himself that night. I think, uh, you know, Elkins, but that's the thing. Elkins has a way of doing this shit, man. Like, I will never, like, like, to put my entire life savings on Volkanovski, a guy that had fought uh, Yasuki Kasuya, jobber not in the UFC. And by the way, he got taken down by Yasuki Kasuya and didn't get up until he, Kasuya went for a leg lock. Then he fought uh, that fucking bug, Pugnus. Like, bro, when you're in there with those guys, I expect everyone to get the job done. Like, I expect motherfuckers coming in from the local scene to go out here and take these guys out. You know what I'm saying? Like, Pugnus and Kasuya? Like, who who... Like, who can't beat those guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, of course he dominated, of course it was good, but everyone would dominate that motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? Ross Pearson's old ass beat that motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, so, you know, he, he did his job there. By the way, Pugnus double underhooked him, like, several times, but, you know, Pugnus is a jobber, he ain't gonna capitalize on spots like that. Elkins will. So then he fought uh, Shane Young, you know, he didn't finish him, we bet the under, uh, under two and a half. I was like Volkanovski, show me, show me your, uh, show me your real, show me your the real guy that they say you are. You know what I'm saying? And he couldn't finish that bum. But you know, Shane Young's a tough guy that likes to eat a lot of punches. So I guess I uh, made a mistake then. But and then his fight with Kennedy. Look, if you honestly think that's gonna happen here, like, look, Kennedy quit like thirty Kennedy seconds ain't in the UFC anymore. Kennedy quit thirty seconds into that fight. You know what I'm saying? Look, I thought it was gonna be a more competitive fight going into that, but I was really talking shit mostly. But like. 
Kennedy, we know Kennedy's scared to get hit on the chin. He's a grappler, you know what I'm saying? And when Volkanovski uh, took him down, the fight was over. If you think Darren Elkins is going to quit like that, you're fucking mistaken. So what I'm trying to say is Volkanovski has seen nothing, not even close to a Darren Elkins in a fight before. It's so easy to go out there and think you're going to get Elkins out of there. And when you, Elkins is the guy that you have to manage your energy consistently throughout the three-round process against. Because the second you put a little bit too much energy into one round, that's when he's going to start wailing on you in the next round. And I've seen it so many times with this guy, man. But I think he's been taking a lot of damage. <laughs> but the thing is, man, uh, these guys, this is the type of fights Elkins wins. <laughs> like, How many times have we seen him win this type of fight? Diego Brandao dating back to 2012. Uh, fucking Michael Mer Johnson. Michael Johnson, Mursad. Um, Skelly, you know, these young guys coming up, these 15 and 1, 16 and 1, like Skelly's, like, like Mersad's, these top prospects, and they all get their ass beat by Darren Elkins. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I don't know how to explain. Like, if I was to bet on Elkins, I can't bet on Elkins because when I watch tape on him, I'm just like, uh, but, you know, you're not supposed to ask questions. You know what I'm saying? Look, I'm actually going to take Elkins here, man. I was going to take Volkanovsky, but it's just like the facts. I don't have the facts to say that Volkanovski is going to be okay in these situations. He's never experienced anything like this. You know, you know, if he comes out here and takes him down and just pounds his head into the mat, props to him. But Darren Elkins eats those ground and pound shots very well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Darren Elkins finds a way to finds a way to get his hand raised. So you know, I wouldn't be shocked if you know the if finally if Volkanovski, you know build up that lead and was able to move move around and, you know, still uh, kill the clock and he went on points. But uh, it's a tough fight. I, I just can't get down with fading Elkins at this line. You know, I was actually so – I wasn't shocked that the confidence in, in Volkanovski. I know he's got a lot of hype, but it's the typical shit that we've seen several times in the past. Like, I feel like on Saturday night when Elkins wins, we're going to be like, oh, guess what? He did it again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Volkanovski is a very talented guy. He's 17-1. That's a great record. He's a winner. Uh, also, he's a very strong guy. He's a former rugby player. He's a former middleweight. <laughs> he's like a five foot four middleweight. <laughs> but yeah, he's a former rugby player. The guy is super strong. You know, He's actually got some serious wrestling, too. Uh, he, I mean, you've seen the way he fights, man. He's able to take these guys down. And, you know, a lot of people criticize the Australian <laughs> wrestling, but my boy Volkanovski has got his, his game down pat. The thing with Elkins is... There is going to be that time when he gets knocked out in the first round, and I, and I know someone's going to bring up the Mendez fight, but come on, that's not the Elkins we see today. Uh, that was that was pre alpha male. That was before uh, he was on their supplement plan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you put Darren Elkins on that supplement plan and look the fuck scary out. Scary motherfucker thing. And we've heard stories about this motherfucker Elkins in the gym. Like Garbrandt and Faber said, like they'll have motherfuckers come in the gym and fucking tee off on Elkins early, and then second, third, fourth, fifth round starts coming, and Elkins is beating the living. Matter of fact, I've seen a video personally of Elkins beating the shit out of Benito Lopez, like, <laughs> head in the mat, like, pounding his head in. He taught that boy a lesson for sure. <laughs> uh, it's just about if the damage has finally added up for Darren oh, Elkins. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I personally don't think it has. I think that he's looking the best he ever has. I know it's he's still hittable. He still gets... He still eats a lot of shots, but that's that's, that's his mo. That's what he does. Eventually, he's not gonna be able to do that. But right now, I think he's in his prime, and I think that fight with MJ. I think MJ. I mean, that dude. I mean, he knocked out Dustin Poirier. That guy beat Tony Ferguson. That guy beat Edson Barboza. And my boy Darren Elkins was landing some that's nice some strikes in that movement. pocket. That's some head movement in that fight. His boxing's been improving that's at why Team he didn't Alpha, get though. Out. You know, <laughs> and also his cardio is insane. You saw that fight with Mirsad Bekti. Mirsad was had two ten eights or something, and then. Uh, 
you know, with one minute and, left. And if you think, no offense to Volkanovski, but personally, I think Rashad Bekdik is the best wrestler in the division. I think he... Well, statistically speaking, he is the best wrestler in the division. He's the best MMA wrestler in the division, and Rashad, you know, is just a different a different type of physicality than Volkanovski, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I think Volkanovski's got a very bright future. I think it might be first out time. Hey, if he comes out here and he beats Elkins, you know, he'll be 18-1. and one. He's the man. I already think he's the real deal, win or lose. I think Volkanovski is for real, but... I think that everyone's got to take that first out. I think it's a massive step up in competition. And I think that uh, if he doesn't get Elkins out of there early and he starts to expend too much energy, I think that uh, Elkins will take over late like he always does. So, you know, at this price, if you're a betting man, I think it's dog or pass. So I'm going to go with uh, Darren the Damage Elkins. And, like, another thing is people are saying, you know, this shit's lucky and he's getting lucky and all this It's on a six-fight win streak. Motherfucker, he's been doing this shit since way back in the day. Like, how is he? How is it luck? This is what he does. It's ugly, yes, but not lucky. Plain and simple, you have more facts to say that Darren Elkins will, uh, you know, handle a prospect like this to say that Volkanovski can deal with this type of big step up in competition. That's just facts. So... It'll be interesting. Next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Alejandro, the Turbo Weasel Perez. He's minus 170. The comeback on Eddie Wineland is plus 150. Now, uh, you know we got a lot a lot of love for Alejandro on this show. The Mexican Weasel. This dude wins pretty much every single fight he's in. The only time he's lost in the UFC was a fluke. But now he's taking on the former champ, Eddie Wineland. And uh, Wineland's been getting a lot of respect at the betting window. What's your opinion? Yeah, you know, the Mexican Weasel, uh, Turbo Perez, gets his job done a lot. And Eddie... He gets his job done about half the time, you know. So it's gonna be—it's definitely a step up in competition. I'll admit that. You know, I, at first I was thinking this was gonna be a walk in the park for Alejandro Perez, but uh, you know, Eddie—he's getting old. He's coming off a of neck surgery. He's coming off a lot of surgeries. Broken guy's jaws. always injured. He's two broken jaws. I mean, you know. But I, st- when you watch a tape on him, I still gotta respect those. The, the, his his style of movement, you know what I'm saying? His style of movement is kind of hard to pick up. And, you know, we've seen Alejandro get cracked on the chin, you know, and dropped a couple times by guys like Sukumtaj. You know, Lopez was getting off in that first round, but we know Lopez is... I think my boy, my boy Rafael, Patty Eyes. Yeah, my boy Rafael uh, showed that Lopez is hell on wheels in that first round, you know what I'm saying? They were saying Rafael was getting dropped by Lopez and shit, like, please. But uh, Lopez drops everyone in the first round. So, you know, um, you know, I think Wineland... He's super tricky to pick up, you know. The movement's definitely going to be difficult to pick. But Alejandro wanted this fight in particular for a reason. He called Eddie Wineland out in specific after his last fight. So, you know, he's thinking he's going to come out here and weasel this guy out, 30-27, probably similar to how he did uh, Uri. And we've seen Eddie Wineland come out here and be gun-shy several times. We've seen him be gun-shy against guys like Dotson, guys like Caraway, um, Benavides. But we know that Eddie Wineland's takedown defense is also fucking money. I mean... To actually get him down and hold him down is fucking damn near impossible. So he's got like a 88% take. Alejandro's going to stand a bang with him. Exactly. So this fight's going to contest on the feet, in my opinion. You know, Alejandro, he does a job on the feet. He's six backs and counters. But the thing is, I could so see it being where both guys are a little scared to pull the trigger just because Wineland's movement's a little tricky. And, you know, Wineland... When he gets you hurt, I'll give him props. When he gets you hurt, he fucking puts you down. You know what I'm saying? He uh, He's very calm. He's like a killer, man. You know, when he gets you wobbled, that fight against Takeya, you know, I know Takeya's a bum and a jobber and all, but when he when he cracked him, he kept his... Uh, a lot of guys make that mistake of going for the finish, gassing themselves out, and then you're not doing it. But Wineland, you know, stayed back, picked his shots, and got him out of there. Same thing like Frankie Signs. And, you know, you know, we can say both those guys are jobbers, but at the time, Frankie Signs were the favorite, so... 
you know, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So I think Turbo's going to pull out a split decision, a close decision. I think he's going to be close. I think Wineland, you know, <clears throat> he is getting up there. I still think he's effective. It's going to be a little tough, but I don't think, you know, Turbo's going to be able to stall out on takedowns or, or tie-ups or things along those natures. Tying up with Eddie and trying to wrestle with him is a is a path for disaster. He's just going to make you look a little silly. So I think he's going to have to win this fight on the feet. So I'm going to take Turbo cause just because he's a solid weasel. Weasels always know what they need to do. You know, weasels will do anything to win. So I'm going to take my boy Alejandro by split that uh, everyone thinks Wineland won afterwards and you know they'll complain on twitter afterwards and all those things you know alejandro sucks he cheated he, he, he didn't fight fans. he didn't he didn't fight he, he ran away yeah he's gonna run away of course that's what he does so i think the weasel will prevail you know alejandro's the guy i like to bet at dog money but at minus 170 even at the minus 215 it was at earlier you know even though i do think he's gonna win this fight I'm not used to seeing him at, you know, I'm not used to having... Now, to, now they're all on my boy. Yeah, I'm not used to having <laughs> to pay juice on a guy like Alejandro. I'm used to getting him at dog money every single fight. And his fights are always close. That's why he's good to take as a dog. I'm not necessarily comfortable laying the juice on him in this spot, even though I, I do think he's going to come out here and edge a, a decision. Because my boy Alejandro gets caught a lot. He, get, he gets tagged in almost every fight, but he finds a way to win. And with uh, Eddie, you know, you run in, you try to close the distance on a guy like Eddie, and he snipes you with that straight right, man. You know, don't be surprised that my boy Alejandro takes a canvas nap. And, you know, between you and me, Shaq, uh, I know we secretly know that Eddie's going to knock out Alejandro, but, you know, you know, I can't pick against Alejandro, right? So I'm going to go with Alejandro by majority decision here after getting dropped in that first round. But uh, it's good. there's going to be some really scary moments in this fight. But at the same time, my boy Alejandro did go out there and shut down Yuri Alcantara. So he's got the experience shutting down a really experienced, dangerous, lethal striker uh, in the Bantamweight division. So I, I won't be surprised if he does it again. But this is completely different because Eddie, uh, Eddie's movement ain't like Yuri's movement. Let's just he's put it that Midwest way. He's the Midwest Dom Cruz. <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he's the Midwest Dom Cruz. And shout out to Eddie on a personal level because he's a firefighter. And also, uh, I know you saw... I don't know if it's his brother or his cousin, but the thing he did for that kid was really awesome too. So I got a lot of respect for Eddie as a person. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Alejandro by majority decision, but I expect it to be a very closely contested fight for sure. Now next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Marion Renault. She's minus 118, and Kat Zingano is minus 102. So they got him a pick him. Uh, it's the battle of the moms. So which way are you going? You know, Kat, we maxed Beth Fader last fight against my girl, Finamino Vieira. And, you know, you know, I felt like uh, people were probably expecting us to max Beth Fader again. But, look, Marion We, we were expecting to max Beth Fader again. But Marion Reno ain't nothing like Helen Finamino. I'll tell you that right now, you know. <laughs> um, you know, Marion's a good fighter. She, she, you know, wins the majority of her fights. But, you know... She's she's old, you know. She's she's forty. She's forty one years old, you know. And her takedown defense. Oh man, her takedown defense is sketchy. Cause man, I mean that fight against Betch Correa, you know, a fight that she beat Betch's ass in that third round. It was a draw, but she lost the first two rounds by getting out positioned. Her fight with Talita Bernardo, who is a complete jobber in my opinion. She got taken down about two, three times. She was able to finish. She she won those fights. Props to her. But you know, uh, her fight with Sarah McMahon. Look, you know, we call that fight to a T. Like, Sarah, she's pregnant right now, you know? She's, 
I don't even have to say anything about that, you know. So, you know, props to Marion for winning those fights. I tried to live better in between rounds and five times, you know, they fucked me over. But, uh, you know, Katz and Gano, you know, I'll, I'll give Katz some respect because, you know, that Kellen fight, I thought Kellen was honest. Going into the fight, I thought Kellen was going to finish her, like, by arm triangle, yeah. you know, 30-26, even though it was 30-26. <laughs> you know, um, they tried to fuck me on that split decision. But, you know, I think Katz showed her heart in that fight because, you know, she could have laid down like Sarah like uh, Ashley Evan Smith and, you know, completely just, you know, said, Ketlin, you got it. But she hung in there the whole three rounds, and she's a tough girl, you know. Actually, you know, she was. She went 0-3 while she was training at a – or 0-2 while she was training at a Alliance. So now she's switched things up. She's got a – she's got a new uh, – she's not with Alliance, actually, anymore. So she Cat? Yeah, she, she's not with Alliance. She's training with Andre Galvao. He's got, like, a jiu-jitsu gym in San Diego. She's training with uh, – one of Jeremy Stevens' old uh, striking coaches. I heard so, she got a new doctor, too. Yeah. Oh, that, I mean, don't get me wrong. She still probably got some representation from Alliance. But, you know, <laughs> you know, know the, the, the supplement plan. But, you know, uh, I think that uh, Marion Renault's take on the fence is very, a, a, a huge liability in this fight. Even though, because you know that she likes to go for subs off her back. And she's pretty efficient with them. But, you know, we've never really seen Kat, besides the Rousey fight, like, necessarily in trouble... Uh, in terms of like her on top, on top position and getting uh, arm barred, like in arm bar defense positions or anything like that. You know, Kat, when she's on top, I mean, she does her job. When she fought Pena, you know, she, uh, Pena's just a bull. Like, I feel like Pena and Kellen, these girls bring a different type of physicality, a different type of meanness to the cage, you know? And I feel like Renault's a little more passive. She's more of a workman type fighter, you know? She's got good boxing, but it's, it's got a, it builds up throughout the fight, you know what I'm saying? I could so see her getting off to a good start. And Kat throws heat, man. She was throwing heat at Ketlin early, man. And we saw what happened in the third round. She came out and head kicked Ketlin. And, you know, so I'm not, I feel like Kat might actually be a little tougher, even though that she's uh, lost three fights in a row. I feel like she's in a spot where she really doesn't have anything to lose. This is a typical fight that, uh, you know, people fall into the trap of saying, oh, yeah, Kat's done. Kat's done. Let's fade her. And then they, uh, she gets that one win to keep her job. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so you're yeah, saying there's going to be that one win. I think, Kat, I think Kat will keep her job. I think she's going to scrape this one out. I think that she's going to capitalize on the top position. I mean, Talita Bernardo is a jobber. I mean, I watched, I watched Toledo fight Renault, and then I just wanted to watch Toledo, because I thought Toledo was a jobber in that fight, so I just wanted to watch Toledo and Arena just to make sure, and yeah, Toledo's a complete bum, you know what I'm saying? So, I think that you getting taken on by Betch-Korea, Toledo, um, let's not forget that stunt she pulled against Ashley Evans-Smith back in the day. Yeah, where we she cashed on the, Ashley. Yeah, we bet on Ashley. We, uh, you know, she won the first round, but then she completely shut down the next two rounds. You know, I think Marion's also a little timid to get hit on the chin, you know. Um, her fight with Sarah McMahon, you know, she survived, but like we always say, all you have to do is just make it to that second one, my girl Sarah, and you'll get the job done. It's just that chicks like Gina and fucking Alexis make, have, uh, make them think that Sarah's a world champion and shit like that. So, world you, know, champion, you know, I think anyone in the Bantamweight division, if they stay composed after that first round, would be Sarah. So, you know, I'm not going to put that much stock into it. So I think my girl Kat's going to come out here, land the harder shots on the feet, the kicks. I think she's going to just, even though she's sloppy and, you know, she really can't sit down and box, I just think the aggressiveness, I think the, the wildness will actually be a good thing for her here because I think the crowd's going to be a little captivated by it. And I think that Renault's going to sit back and not quiver, but just be a step behind. I think we're, this is where we're finally going to see that 41-year-old age, even against a girl like Katzengano. So, uh, 
you know, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Marion won. Cat's a habitual, you know, loser at this point in the career. She's below 500, but those girls are different. Those girls bring meanness to that cage. Like, Ketlin's about to fight for the interim title. Uh, Juliana Pena, I mean, when she wasn't pregnant, I mean, she beat everyone's ass besides uh, Valentina. So, I got my girl Kat here. I think she's going to get that win, and uh, I think she's going to keep that job. I think that in order for Kat to win this fight, she's got to use her size. She's got to use her physicality because she's way bigger than Mari and Renault. And I could definitely see the first round being a potential 10-8 for Kat Zingano. But the issue is, I don't think she's got you know the cardio to go three hard. Now, I know someone's going to bring up the third round against Ketlin, but you know, Ketlin won that fight 30-26, so I have no idea how that was a split. I think that, you know, one of the judges is part of Kazangano's fan club, you, you know, the whole bit. He, he was staring at something else. He wasn't staring at the fight, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so uh, it was what it was. But now with Marion, the thing with her is that she gets off to a bad start in every single fight that she's in. And, uh, you know, when Betch Kohea styling on you on the map, but the thing is... Marion's so tough that she's able to like keep pushing forward, and when these girls gas out, that's when she takes over. And you heard Kazangano on Joe Rogan's show talking about her brain problems, her thyroid problems, her this and that problems, and it's like that, that that's some serious shit. You know, we can talk about Marion being forty one, but you know, Cat in fight years is like fifty one. So, but Cat's so much bigger than Marion. I see Kat having a very dominant first round. I see Marion taking over around the midpoint of the second round, and then winning the third. I could see this being a draw or a split decision either way. But since you picked uh, Kazangana, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to take uh, Marion Renault here to get this win in a very closely contested battle. But we'll see because Kat's a lot bigger than her. So if Kat comes out here, gets on top of her, and smashes her, that's not going to surprise me either. But if Marion can weather that initial storm, I do think she can take over late. Now next up in the UFC featherweight division, we got Chad Money Mendez. We got Mini Mendez. He's back. He's minus 150. The comeback on Miles Fury jury is plus 130. Now, uh, you know, the last time we saw my boy uh, Chad Money Mendez inside the octagon, he got knocked the fuck out twice consecutively, back to back. And that was about three years ago, Shaq. And since that point, he's had his uh, steroid suspension. You know, he blames it on some cream. But if you saw his physique, uh, you know the deal, sir. Let me go ahead and just go ahead and uh, get into my boy Mini Mendez. So, look. Chad Mendez comes from a different era in the featherweight division, you know, plain and simple. I want everyone to go on Wikipedia right now, and I want, after the first Aldo fight, I want you to see his uh, level of competition on that second path to the to the second Aldo fight and to the McGregor and the Frankie fight. Cody McKenzie, jobber. Yeltsin Meza, jobber. Uh, Elkins, you know, he knocked out Elkins, but... <sighs> Let's not act like that's let's the Elkins. Let's not act we say like, today. look, I know he knocked out Elkins, but like, come on. Let's not act like it's the same Elkins. Like, that was pre Alpha Male Elkins. That was the Elkins that was, you know, he was on a three fight win or four fight win streak at 145 and props to Mendez, but look at the odds in that fight. Like, Elkins wasn't supposed to win that fight. Like, those are the type of fights that are tailor made for Chad. A wrestler, a workman wrestler that can't take him down and can't box him? Like, of course he's going to fucking style on that guy. You know he won't style on him if they fight again, though, right? <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, okay, who else did he fight? Nick Lentz. And, you know, Guida. speaking of that, oh, yeah, Guida, Jobber, uh, Nick Lentz. Okay, so the Nick Lentz fight is, let's let's start at the Nick Lentz fight. So he drops Nick Lentz in the first round, you know, beats his ass the first round. 
Now, the next two rounds, you know, he was able to get a takedown and stall Lentz out. But we know Lentz loves going to his back on for guillotines. But that third round, but, you know, the Chad Mendez fan club and excuse club will say, oh, but he was sick and he was this and that. And, you know, he had a sinus thing and all this oh, bullshit. And McGregor was <laughs> coming off the couch. Oh, <laughs> you know, the, Chad, the Chad Mendez excuse club said that uh, <laughs> fucking he was a little sick. So... But between you and me, Nick Lentz dropped him in the third round and outworked him in the third round. And Nick Lentz, we sh- Shadmender showed everyone that, hey, if you can stretch it out, if you can put a little adversity into the fights, you know, he might crumble because the other fights were no adversity at all. Clean, like smooth sailing, no adversity at all. So then he fights Jose Aldo in Brazil. Great fight. One of the best featherweight fights of all time. I, I admire his effort in that fight. It was a great fight. You know, look, but he lost. He lost four rounds. He got out cardioed by Jose Aldo. He got dropped a hundred times. And Jose Aldo ruined that chin, straight up. I mean, the shot after the bell in the first round, we know how the, the Brazilian weasels like to do it. You know, my boy also, Aldo just said, fuck it all. <laughs> fuck that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> he that, that shot ruined his chin. And not only that, you know... He, you know, he dropped Aldo with a left hook at one point, but then right as they're starting to change in the pocket, one shot behind the ear, body shut off, face down. You know, he was able to recover because you know he really wasn't taking much damage. Because it's steroids, exactly, it's steroids. <laughs> you know, it's steroids. But then, you know, great fight. You know, he lost. Admirable effort. Then you come back against Lamas. You know, I don't want to discredit the win again, but I'm about to discredit it. But like, like no, that was 2014, 2015. Look, Lamas. Lamas is a great fighter. Don't get me wrong. But, like, we we here at Best Fight Picks and the Best Fight Picks offices, look, we really, like, Ricardo really ain't even in our top 10, <laughs> 11, 12. What is he in the rankings right now? Seven or eight. I think he's below that now. I think he might be 11 now. Oh, wow. So, he really, he, he ain't even top 15 now in my rankings. Look, Ricardo Lamas is a great fighter. He, him and Chad Mendez, Frankie, Cub. Cub, they're the building blocks of the featherweight division. You know what I'm saying? They they were the guys that were here from the get-go. So, props to all those guys. They paved the way. They're the initial featherweight. You know, great win. We know Alpha Male has Ricardo Lamas' number. He's been knocked out by all three of those guys. I met uh, Castillo yeah. and Mendez. So, you know, props to them for winning that fight. So, then you get the... The McGregor fight three months later. So you mean to tell me that in three months you're 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 talking all this about I want to be a world champion, this and that. I I want to be this. Just put it this way, you know. <clears throat> I know some guys get heavy the second you know the fight's over, but you know the history of my boy Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo doesn't show up for work a lot, especially back then. You know what I'm saying? How many times has Jose Aldo pulled out of fights? A lot. You got to be ready for that call, son. And you know, by the way, my boy Frankie Edgar likes to act like he's uh, he's ready for the call too. And then no, when they he, call him, they <laughs> you know how many title fights he's seen turn down. The second they call Frankie, uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know these guys they act like they really want this shit. And you know, let's just be honest, they don't. So you know, he okay. Look, the Chad Mendes Excuse Club back to them again. You know, they said that uh, he was it was on short notice. He was off the couch. But how come Chad Mendes in the cage in the cage after he lost said no? I was completely ready. I was ready to go. You know that Conor McGregor had like a torn ACL because he rolled with uh, Rory McDonald yeah. on the media tour yeah. and he got injured. Yeah. And by the way, Conor McGregor looked like shit in that fight. Uh, had the ACL, like you said, his cardio looked like shit. And we know that Conor McGregor's takedown defense, you know. And get up game. And get up game. Ain't, 
you know, up on par as other elite fighters on his on his level. You know what I'm saying? So, and you know, Chad Mendes ran himself into the ground because that was the first time in Chad Mendes's streak that he fought a long rangy striker that throws teeps to the body, that throws high kicks. You know, that has flow and uses range. So, you know, he took Connor down several times, you know, congrats, but he ran himself into the ground. He went for a guillotine, and he, the second they got back up to the feet, you know, he got butchered and knocked out, you know. My boy Connor escaped his submission. <laughs> Connor's, Connor got up off this guy, you know what I'm saying? Nick Lentz got up off this guy, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I feel like this Chad Mendez name value is so fucking blown, blown out of proportion, in my opinion, that uh, it's a different era now, man. So now speaking of Miles Jury. You know, my boy Miles Jury. My boy Miles Jury, you guys all wrote him off. They uh they washed their hands with Miles because a lot of you motherfuckers forgot that Miles Jury was 15 and 0 at one point. One fight away from the title fight when he fought uh Cerrone. And you know, Cerrone embarrassed him that night. You know, Cerrone beat his ass that night, but is he is he fighting a Muay Thai? A Muay Thai 6 1 Fighter that just beat Eddie Alvarez the fight before that? Serrano was on like an eight-fight win streak <laughs> or something. The guy that beat Edson and Eddie Alvarez before that and uh, God knows it. And, you know what I'm saying? So like, oh, he was 15-0 and 0 and he lost to Cerrone. Like, okay. Now, what happened with Miles was Miles, I wouldn't say he showed his true colors after that fight, but he, he kind of panicked, you know? He changed camps. He left the guys that bought him up. You know, he's been, he was training at Alliance his whole career and then, you know, he... He uh, ditched them, and he went to Power MMA, which was a terrible decision. He didn't ask Best Fight Picks for advice on that one. You know what I mean? He didn't ask us for recommendations. You know, he, he chose to go to, you know, that camp that quickly uh, He had to learn out. his lesson. You know, you know, he went over there with my boy Bader, and, you know, things didn't work out. You know, just put it this way. Everyone else in that camp besides Bader, just look at their numbers. You know what I'm saying? CBS. <laughs> it's funny because my boy Darian Caldwell actually used to train there too. So, um, you know, that camp's just for, that's that's Bader's camp, you know what I'm saying? You know, he went out there, got tapped out by Charles Oliveira at 145. I mean, but look, Chad Mendes ain't about to dangle off his neck. <laughs> like, you know, so, you know, he's on two, a two-fight L streak. So now, you know, a lot of guys make the mistake of taking a bad fight on that two L streak, like Jocko, like Knight, or, you know, a lot of these other guys. Jerry had the right, you know, he got his confidence back against uh, De La Torre. That's a good fight to get your confidence back, just so you could feel that win again. And then his next fight against Rick Glenn, that's when he fully made the move back out to the Alliance. You know, he had a talk down with my boy, uh, Eric Del Fierro. I actually met my boy, Eric Del Fierro, in Atlanta. You know, a cool coach. And, you know, Eric Del Fierro's got that, uh... The, the Alliance Conditioning Program, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you haven't heard of my boy Jeremy, he talks about it on Rogan's podcast. So, you know, uh, if you guys want the details to that program. But, uh, you know, I think that his fight with Rick Glenn showed that Miles Jury might be maturing. You know, he's up, he's getting closer to 30 now. And we've seen Jury since he's a kid. Let's not forget about the guy that, you know, beat MJ's ass coming off the tough show when he, honestly, people thought he had no business being in that fight. And personally, how I see them matching, how they match up, I see that, I think Chad Mendez, you know, I know the pictures look real nice right now. I know he's got a six-pack and he looks, you know, juiced and ripped out of his mind. But mentally and chin-wise, because, let's be honest here, Frankie Edgar knocked him out, out in space. You know what I'm saying? And with Miles Jury, Miles Jury is a 5'10", 5'11", guy with a 73-inch reach. Feet, he's way. six feet, really, because, I mean... 
He's six feet. Because Rick Glenn's six feet, and he was, like, taller than Rick Glenn. So. <laughs> like, Miles Jury uses range against five, ten, and six-foot guys. You know what I'm saying? Miles Jury ranges guys like those up. And now he's fighting a five-six guy who hasn't fought in two years, coming off the steroids, who comes up short a lot against five-six and five-seven guys like Frankie Edgar. He was coming up short in that fight, and he got knocked out by Frankie Edgar out in space. Knocked out cold. Dead. Stiff. Cold. And now, you know, he's off the three-year layoff. Not one year, two years. It's two and a half, three years, something like that. He bounced out the game as far as I'm concerned. He started his own hunting company. I'm watching these videos. I mean, to be honest, he seems like more he's interested in hunting than he is Miles Jury. So, you know, he's more interested in hunting and fishing. So I already see that foot out the door for my boy, Minnie Mendez. You know, he can act like, you know, you know, he's acting like he's on the... But let's be honest here. We've known him, TJ, you know... Uh, I mean, just look at Josh Emmett. We know that camp's been, you know, filled with steroid abuse. So, <laughs> Guido Canetti, uh, uh, Sage, like, come on now, you know. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, I think Miles Jury's going to come out here. I think Chad Mendes will be a step behind. I think he is going to be timid to get hit. You know, people are saying he's going to be able to bail himself on the takedowns. Don't forget my boy Miles Jury's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, a high-level uh, jiu-jitsu black belt. Just put it this way, you know, on tough. When uh, they needed to get guys ready for the mat game of Kiesa, they called my boy Jury. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jury, come tap on my boy Vic a hundred times real quick. <laughs> so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if if Chad does take him down, Chad's not a guy that passes guard. Chad, Chad's a guy that lays in guard and tries to rest. That's his rest position. You put your head on the chest against Miles Jury, a high-level black man. He's been a black belt for a while, too. He ain't just got his black belt. Like, Jury's been a black belt for years. You know, the Jury Jiu-Jitsu thing, you know what I'm saying? So... I think uh, Miles Jury can attack him off his back and sweep him. I think that if they grapple and they get back up to the feet, I expect that body to be getting teeped in. I, I expect Chad Mendes already with the cardio problems with the steroids and three years ago. I think the cardio problems are going to come back out. I see uh, when those when those teeps start hitting that gut and when that chin gets touched up from range. And let's be honest here, the guy's a sucker for a flying knee. You know, Jerry, I feel like Jerry's going to have a, the, the performance of his career, that performance that, you know, we all thought he was going to have back years ago. I think he's going to live up to everyone's expectations for once. And, you know, the guy trains with the hardest hitter in the division in Jeremy Stevens every day. He trains with a national champion wrestler in Caldwell every day. I think he's going to be prepared, and I think he's going to butcher Chad Mendes. So, you know, shout out to my boy, Minnie Mendes, because I've really been entertained by those video vlogs he's been putting out. I've been <laughs> learning about how to, like, season my pork, and you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's like, got a foot out the door. Start your own cooking show. <laughs> like, bro, I've been learning a lot from his cooking shows, and uh, you know something else that I learned from his blogs? Uh, he said that, uh, I mean, I kind of knew this by watching the fight, but he was like, dude, I was surprised that Frankie barely hit me with anything that hard and it rung my bell and i went out cold like so I, I felt like i needed some time off but here's the thing chad the chin doesn't recover my friend and if we're gonna do something to help your chin recover you better get back on the steroids or something you know get something that helps you recover faster because i don't know if you saw that fight between vanderlei silva and brian stan you remember how vanderlei silva you hit him one time he goes down he goes out cold uh, all of a sudden uh when he was on his supplement plan against Brian Stan, he gets dropped 100 times. He gets back up 101 times. So, you know, as long as Chad's not on the same supplements that Vanderlei was on in that fight, I just don't see how his chin can be magically repaired. He already had cardio issues back in the day. I mean, that's why he lost the Aldo fight. But, you know, Aldo at the time was the best pound-for-pound pound, uh, fighter or something like that. Uh, you know, John Jones is really good. But, you know, <laughs> we'll give him a little credit. But, look, it's just a different era of featherweight. And 
it comes down to if uh, Chad can hold him down for three straight rounds. I think in the first round he can get a takedown or two, but I think that Miles making him scramble, Miles getting back up to his feet, I think all that stuff's going to gas out Chad Mendes. I think that Miles is going to throw that teep to the body and uh, you know start to poke the air out of that uh, soft, fat frame. And uh, <laughs> eventually I think it's going to be a left hook KO. I think this could be the best performance of Miles Jury's career. If Chad Mendes comes off this three-year layoff, you know, not just a three-year layoff, but a three-year, you know, steroid suspension, and he just got knocked the fuck out two times in a row his last two fights, and he comes out here, he overcomes all that and beats Miles Drury, then hats off, you deserve your, your place back in the top 15, but, you know, the sport doesn't really work that way, and I think the days of being a five-foot-six featherweight are long gone, you my man. Find these wrestler I mean, you, you see what's happening with Dennis Bermudez. That's what a five-foot-six featherweight looks look like at the, look at the Look at the rankings right now. Calvin Qatar is number 15. You know what I'm saying? Imagine him in the cage with many members. <laughs> you know, but there's guys out here listening to this right now that they, they don't understand. Out, so, unfortunately, you know, so it is what it is. But hopefully, you know, they uh, we'll see him fight on Saturday. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I personally think Miles is going to put him away. You know, I was more interested in the plus two ten than I am the plus one thirty. You know, I kind of don't like uh, giving up. You know, eighty cents of value. But you know, it is what it is, man. Uh, I think action's coming in on him for a reason. I don't feel safe. You know, betting on the same side as the entire public. You know, because there's a, these big Vegas casinos weren't built on everyone being on the same side. But I completely understand the Mendez fade because, you know, he's got all the ingredients to be faded. So I'm going to go with uh, Miles Jury here for the upset. And next up, also in the featherweight division, we got Dennis Bermudez. He's minus 250. The comeback on Rick Lennon is plus 210. Now it's another case where the five foot six featherweight is taking on the six foot tall featherweight. But the thing is, my boy Rick Lennon is slow as fuck. But Bermudez always finds a way to lose. So which way are you going? Yeah, you know, Bermudez is like a 32-year-old trying to fight like a 22-year-old. You know, the guy's got no pacing. I mean, just watch the zombie fight. He comes out like a fucking cannon about two minutes in, tired, knocked out, you know. Um, and that's not the first time you've done it. I mean, this guy's got an extensive history of getting dropped in fights. I mean, dating back to Tommy Hayden, dating back to Matt Grice, dating back to Holloway. Uh, I mean, the guy gets dropped. Diego Brando. Diego Brando. The guy gets dropped in pretty much every fight um, because he consistently runs himself into the ground. He f doesn't change his approach, really. I mean, like, he's, he, like I said, he's a 32-year-old still trying to fight like that 22-year-old he once was on tough, you know, that beat uh, my boy Jimmy Rivera. And Max Holloway. You know, I still respect Bermudez because, you know, I still respect him, though, because... The guy's got he's a he's one of those max effort guys and you know those max effort guys they win a lot but not him you know those max effort guys I I put like uh, like Elias or um, you know for example Benavidez I know he lost to Sergio but I mean that you saw you saw that effort you saw that effort like motherfuckers going in for it. so I've kind of put Bermudez in that category he's gonna fucking try to win this fight you know he's gonna go for it the thing with Glenn is that range he's six foot even though Rick Glenn really doesn't use range. You know, Rick Glenn's just, he's kind of like a, he's actually a boxer. That's what it really, what his base is, to be honest. He's, he's really not like a wrestler. Like a lot of people think he's a wrestler. He's a boxer, actually. And, uh, you know, he he's not good at anything, but he's just, he's good enough to keep his job. And he, he's good enough to, you know, seal off these wins against these young guys like uh, Gavin Tucker and these frauds like Felipe Novera. <laughs> the thing is... Uh, Bermudez, Bermudez finds keeps finding a way to lose. You know the Elkins fight. We were thinking there's no way he gets out wrestled by Elkins. Guess what? He got out wrestled by Elkins. The Philly fight. You know everyone thought he was gonna take Philly down. Philly took him Philly's down. taking him down. 
So, you know, I'm seeing a, a steady decline in Bermuda as just physically, more physically than mentally. Mentally, I still think he's there. I think he's a Max Shepard guy. But physically, like I said, he's trying to fight like a 22-year-old and he's gassing himself out, which leaves him prone to these flash knockdowns, which then he gets stuck out in space fighting, you know, these long guys like Feely, like uh, Elkins, and, you know, he's falling behind on points and then he loses a decision and then, you know, he complains, you know, so, um, who do you lose? Oh, yeah, zombie. Um, so, uh, as far as Rick Glenn goes, you know, the plus 200, do I agree with it? No, I understand why, because Rick Glenn, skill-wise, he's a guy that, you know, he really capitalizes on you running yourself into the ground or, you know, gassing out or quitting or just being a, a pussy like Felipe Novaire. So, you know, Bermudez, I don't think... A male he's, nurse? <laughs> exactly. You know, Bermudez, I don't think he's a pussy by any means, but I do think he runs himself into the ground and he just keeps finding a way to lose, man. And, you know, by the way, that camp, that camp that Bermudez comes from, they ain't been looking too hot lately. I know my boy LaFleur got his win over uh, Garcia a few weeks ago, but... I don't know if you saw that performance my boy Chris Wade uh, put up in PFL. What were the odds on that one? Uh, he was like minus 750. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's my boy Bermuda's best friend right there. So, And, you know, I've been seeing a study. They, they ain't associated with Randy or... No, Randy trains like... Cro- like Cross-train. Not, cross-train. That's not the not, no, no, gym. Okay, that's not okay. the gym gym. No, no. Randy's at Andre and Gregor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gregor Gillespie's gym. Okay. But, uh... But, you know, that, that gym, you know, they, they ain't been looking too hot lately. But I still respect Bermudez's effort. But something tells me that he's going to do it again. <laughs> something tells me that he's going to get off to a good start and leap in with some big shots on Rick Glenn. But we know Rick Glenn doesn't give any fucks and will eat every last one of those shots. We saw that fight against Dunham, his fight with uh, Gavin Tucker, his fight with uh, his last fight with Jury. I'm not going to put that much stock into the jury fight because, like I mentioned before, what I thought about jury, I think jury's, you know, hitting that prime. And, you know, Rick Glenn was just confused out in space against jury. He had no he had no idea what to do with that movement and that teep and that flying knee and, and the jiu-jitsu. <laughs> you know, jury was just on a completely different level. But Bermudez is a habitual gasser out. He's a, he's a gas outer, you know what I'm saying? He finds a way to make things close. And he's been doing it for a while. So I think there's a lot of value on Rick Glenn. Does he have the skills to actually do it? That's definitely a, a, a good question. But I think that Bermudez is just going to walk into something. You know, I think he's going to get off to a good start. And that, you know how Riglin dropped uh, Gavin Tucker with that left hand? I think at some point Bermudez is going to get a little tired. And then I think Riglin's going to capitalize, you know, moving forward with either a body kick to really, you know, drain Bermudez and to get him starting to shoot sloppy or catch him flash style and, you know, just build up a lead on points and take the next two rounds. So, you know, I'm going I'm to go for the upsell with my boy Riglin. I think there's a value at plus 210. I think it should be like plus 130. Dennis Bermudez is like the opposite of Nico Price because when Dennis Bermudez, up until the point where he loses, he's looking really damn good. When Nico Price, up until the point where he wins, he's looking like shit. But the difference is Nico Price finds a way to win. Dennis Bermudez finds a way to lose. And I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. Winners win and losers lose. And uh, Dennis Bermudez gets dropped every single fight. I really don't know why. Oh, it's because his chin sucks. That's why. His chin sucks and he has no cardio management. 
you know, he, uh, he's, I mean, we can talk about his leg kicks and his blast double and his overhand right, you know, the whole bit. He's got the same shit he's had for the last fucking five years, but uh, Rick Glenn's super slow, super unathletic, but he's super tough, too, and he's long for the weight class, and I think if he can weather this early storm, he can come out here and uh, potentially finish Dennis Bermudez or take over late, so he's just got to make uh, Dennis run himself into the ground, which Dennis is really damn good at doing, so... Yeah, I mean, I can see Bermudez finally getting his first win in a while because Rick Glenn just ain't that good. But, you know, Rick Glenn will find a way to win at some point because Bermudez will hand it to him because Bermudez, uh, that's what he's known for. Bermudez is the way better fighter, by the way, but, you know, he was the way better fighter than a couple of these guys that he's lost to yeah, as well. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't that, that doesn't mean shit. I'm going to go with uh, Rick Glenn for an upset. Co-main event of the evening. We got Sage Northcutt. He's minus 130. The comeback on Zach Otto is plus 110. What are you thinking, man? It's another it's another Sage Northcutt fight. You want me to go first? Yeah. So uh, I think that my boy uh, Super Sage Northcutt is still a fraud. You know, I think that just because he had that performance against Mitchell Canonas, yeah, we picked Canonas, but, you know, we were wrong. He was – Canonas is a 45-er, and uh, he didn't want no part of Sage. But then you saw what happened when Sage went in there with that French jobber, his last fight with T-Bot Goody. I know it was in Texas. I know Sage is from Texas. Uh, I know Texas judging is – notoriously shitty uh 30 26 Bosch so you know what I'm saying uh, I think if that was in Vegas if that was anywhere else I think my boy T-Bot Goody might have actually edged that because you know when you look at the fight metric stats and it's saying that you know when you look at the fight metric stats and it says that he only landed 11 strikes you know that's a complete joke you know he dropped them about four times in that fight he didn't drop them four you know times he t- you know he took him down a couple times as well but they didn't do shit with him <laughs> I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, drop the guy and then hammer all these fists on him and you drop him. Get your points for that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think that Sage Northcutt, you know, he's he's a very athletic guy. He's a good athlete. And uh, some of these guys, he's just faster than, he's stronger than, he can squeak out these fights. But, I mean, the dude... Once he steps up, you know, that's when he gets exposed. The question is, is Zach Otto that step up or not? I mean, I've seen Cody Fister take down Sage Northcutt with barely any effort at all. I've seen Brian Barbrenna tap out Sage Northcutt with chokes that aren't locked in. I've seen Mickey Gall, who was 3-0 and at the time, come in there, drop Sage Northcutt, and uh, choke him out. And, uh, you know, also... The T-Bot Goody fight, that wasn't very good either. So the only time Sage Northcutt's looked good, in my opinion, were the Mitchell Quinones fight and the Francisco Trevino fight. And now he's uh, stepping up. He's 0-2 at welterweight. He's taking on another welterweight. But the thing with Zach Otto, you know, he's a physically skilled guy. Wasn't he a uh, D1 football football player? Yeah, so, you know, he's a physically skilled guy. He went the distance with Serginho in Brazil, lost a split. But, you know, he's still a very tough guy. I think, like, Otto is kind of a bully. You know, if you uh, if you stand up to him, you can mentally break him. The thing is, I don't know if Sage Northcutt can stand up to him. This is a battle between two front runners, actually. It's kind of interesting. I'm gonna go with Zach Otto just because I've never seen him tap out the shit that's not locked in. I don't see him get dropped every single fight. I've only seen him get dropped against one of the hardest hitters in the division, and Li Jingliang, who I think would also knock out Sage Northcutt. I know Otto wasn't really knocked out in that fight, by the way. I'm aware. I'm I'm aware uh, he uh, he uh, had enough when he felt the power of uh, the leech's hands, but I don't think that's going to happen here against Sage Northcutt. I think he's tougher than the kid, and uh, I think he finds a way to break him. So I hope, right? <laughs> I'm gonna go with Zach Otto here for the upset. Yeah, you know, at first I was thinking Otto was going to be, you know, a good option. But the thing is, when you really look into it, I do question if Otto's tough enough, you know, because I feel like the reason why he's 3-2, and two, you know, even though those two losses are, you know, to good guys, I felt like the Serginio one 
was super in reach, but I felt like he was a little bit too afraid to get touched on that chin. And, you know, when he fought uh, Berkman, you know, I know that was uh, his debut, but let's be honest here. Like, that fight was close. Berkman, Berkman beat Felder. They were, they were operating on the same speed frequency, and not to mention this guy got finished by Jacob Volkman a couple years ago as well. So, Badly. <laughs> you know, so, you know, they were operating on that same frequency, and, you know, Otto... He's a, you know, his nickname's the Barbarian, but I mean, let's be honest there, he's a point, he's a point tipper, he's a tipper and runner, you know, and I already saw, say, I faded Sage against a tipper and runner and Michelle Quinones, and I saw a guy that tries to throw, you know, jab, jab, low kick, I already saw what Sage did to that guy. Well, that's a 45, this is a welterweight. <laughs> yeah, Sage was cutting weight to 55, not, like Sage, look, I think Sage is a pussy, I think he's a fraud, but I ain't betting on Sage, you know, if I'm taking a side, you know, it's gonna be auto, and I need to know that this guy's tough enough, and you know, my gut tells me that he's not because when he fought Lee Jing Leong, look, Sage didn't fight Lee Jing Leong, so that's irrelevant. Fucking, he got hit on the chin with one shot off a low kick, and fucking, he quit. He went home. He didn't want to be there. I mean, plain and simple. The guy's eyes were open. He was rolling around. He quit. He went home. Sage Northcutt has quit several times, but the thing is, when Sage Northcutt lost, you know, Barbarina, the kid was 19 years old, fighting fucking Brian Barbarina. 19 fucking years old. Shit wasn't locked up. <laughs> 19 fucking years old, though, bro. So what? <laughs> he was 19 fighting fucking Barbarina. And look, I'll tell you why Barbarina Max won that Holloway fight. Max was 19 because... fighting Dustin Poirier. And he got his ass beat. He didn't quit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean he didn't quit? He quit. That shit was locked up. <laughs> Just put it this way. Some other guys wouldn't have tapped. But, uh... <laughs> but, uh... You know, but the thing is, the reason why Barbarina won that fight is because Barbarina doesn't give a fuck. Barbarina has proven several times that he'll eat a shot and he doesn't give a fuck. He'll be bloody. And Sage was teeing off on Barbarina in that first round. Just that Barbarina, the workman, grizzly vet that he is, stayed in there and fucking wasn't afraid to get hit. And, you know, got Sage to make a mistake. And, and Barbarina hit him with a nice trip, actually. Um, so, you know. 19 years old, you lost to Barbarina. Okay. I still think he's a pussy. Don't get me wrong. So then the fight with uh, Marine. My fear with Sage is, like, the longer you keep letting him get through these tough fights, like Marine, like, uh, three rounds with Quinones, you know, you keep letting him build this ring these experience. You keep letting him, I mean, that's who he's fighting. They were tough fights, bro. I mean, fucking, the guys Otto's beat, none of them are in the fucking UFC. <laughs> like, he fucking beat Berkman and Powell, and he arguably lost to fucking Berkman, like, and uh, Kichi Kinomoto, like... Fucking, which also went to split decision. <laughs> and, you know, um, like, so, yeah, I always fear, like, the longer you keep giving this kid fucking ring experience and you keep letting them fucking get through these adversities in the cage because, I mean, look, the T-Bow fight, I'll tell you why Sage got his hand raised, because he fucking wanted it more because T-Bow was too much of a little pussy. That's why he won. That's why he won. T-Bow didn't want He wasn't tough enough, plain and simple. T-Bow fucking, you know, I wouldn't say, I mean, he, Sage definitely hit the, like, his knees hit the ground, but, you know, Sage is a pussy, no, 100%. But what happened when they got back up into the feet? Sage picked up T-Bow Gaudi off the, off the air and dumped him and stole the round back. I don't give a fuck if it was in Texas or not. You know exactly where you're fighting. You know what you have to do. You have to convincingly beat this motherfucker. 
fucking, and he didn't because he wasn't tough enough because the French came One guy out. got dropped four times. <laughs> he didn't get dropped four times, firstly. He got dropped, like, once, but it's once, all good. Yeah. It's all good because the second time, the second drop you're referring to, you know, he tried to duck under for a takedown, and, like, T-Bow just kind of crushed him, and he went to his back. But, you know, he dealt with it, and he, you know, he, he got through it. You know what I'm saying? He got through a tough, he got through a tough moment. Now, Otto's gone through a couple tough moments, but he's also quit in a couple tough moments as well. He's also quivered away in some tough moments because that Serginho fight was in reach, and, you know, we can sit here and say, you know, Serginho, this and that, he, you know, his record, his UFC record's great and all, but Serginho quits in the third round every fight, and he gasses out every fight, and he's 38 years old, or fucking 35, 36, 37, and, you know, like, Sage is still a 23-year-old fucking athletic specimen who's fast, way faster than Otto, in my opinion. Now, the grappling... Is Otto, you know, I've seen in that Kushi Kunamoto fight, you know, he definitely won the grappling exchanges. They were going a little back and forth, but, you know, he was able to get on top just right at the end of the rounds. It was a great win, in my opinion, but I'm just not convinced that he's tough enough. You know, I could so see Otto being a step behind. I don't like the way Otto's talking about the fight, you know. He's acting like Sage is an easy fight, and if he comes out here and, you know, Otto's about that life, props to him, you know. But I don't think he is. I think Sage is going to run away from him. I think that Sage is, uh, you know, like I said, you keep giving him more ring experience. I feel like they're giving him these guys for a specific reason. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I feel like they gave him Zach Otto for a specific reason. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously they want to keep building the kid up. Not that that matters or anything. But I just feel like he'll be able to pull his same bullshit on Zach Otto. I don't think it's the time. I think it might be the next one. I don't think it's the time to fade him. But if Zach Otto does his job here, you know, congrats, congrats to him. I just think Sage is going to be a little too physical. And I think mentally Otto's going to start breaking as uh, when Sage gets up. I think Sage is going to get to an early lead. I think Otto's going to not check out, but I think he's going to break. I, I think he's going to be a little frustrated that this young kid that he's been talking shit about is still in there, is, is still in there and whooping his ass. And I think he's going to slowly break. So I'm going to I'm going to take my boy Sage Northcutt here, <laughs> <My boy> Sage. <laughs> even though he's a little he's a little bitch. <laughs> Uh, actually, man, I'm not going to call him a bitch because, look, I know it's Gaudi and all, but, look, he got through it. That's something that, you know, we were saying he couldn't do. You know what I'm saying? So no, he's proven Goody got finished in 30 times. seconds by Team Rufakel. <laughs> you know, Goody also dropped OAM. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, T uh, Goody hits hard, bro. <laughs> and uh but the fact is he got through it and that's one thing i've been saying that he couldn't do so he's proven me wrong he's he's been able to tough it out that's the opponent that was in front of him he gutted it out otto has a tough time gutting things out you know what i'm saying otto has to be at a specific pace i don't really think he's otto, a bully i don't he really ain't no bully to me he's a fake bully to me <laughs> i think uh you know but that's just my opinion you know i think he's a guy that you know he really can't box on the inside but I think he's a point striker that likes to throw low kicks at the end of every combination. I could see C. Sage uh, countering that with the right hand and stunning Otto. Maybe not finishing him, but, you know, I think Sage is going to weasel this one out. I think he's got a little weasel in him. Sage 29-28. Okay. <laughs> Main event of the evening. We got Junior Cigano Dos Santos. He's minus 175. The comeback on Blagoy Ivanov is plus 155. Now, Ivanov's coming in here with a stellar record. Also a little bit padded. I mean, he was you know beating the Jared Rochalts and the cuddly bears of the world. Now he's got to fight Junior Cigano. But how much does my boy Cigano uh, have left in the tank, Shaq? Yeah, you know, it's a typical World Series of fighting guy coming over. And, you know, if you want to judge him based on his fights in the World Series, 
then you need to do your homework because we know that these World Series guys, you know, some of their fights over there, they kind of look like shit, you know, like uh, Gaethje, you know, getting losing the first two rounds against Busk. But I know he's also has a losing record over here, but, you know, his three fights have been some of the most entertaining. Um, David Branch, I mean, the guy was struggling. He couldn't even finish Vinny fucking Magalash. He, str- he, he, he couldn't finish Luis Taylor. He couldn't fucking, you know, he's barely scraping shit out over there. But he comes over here. He beat Jocko, Maheta, and he's 2-1, and one, and he's about to fight Jocko Ray. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then um, Marlon Marais, he's struggling with Josh Hill and Redding House over there, but fucking... <laughs> he's but now he's knocking seconds. out Jimmy Rivera. So, you know, I feel like those World Series guys, you, you're... Their careers in World Series, they're always big favorites. They're minus 800s and fucking minus 1,000. So you put them in the fight where it's like, just don't lose. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to see a little lackluster effort. Not effort, but lackluster performances because it's just get get the win and let's not fucking give this guy, you know, any chance to fluke KO you. That's pretty much how a lot of those guys are over there. Um, and we're seeing them come over here and put in work. So, you know, I think Blagoa is going to look a little better. You know, do I think he's a future champion? No, but I think this is a good debut to come in on because JDS, I mean, he's a perfect example of the damage meter. You know, you know how we say a heavyweight has nine lives and he might have an extra life for this one. Um, the thing is about half of those lives have been ruined. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the two cane fights, the steep a fight. Both the Stipe fights. Overeem. Overeem. <laughs> um, and, you know, people. Are, I see a lot of people saying this fight's going to be like the Ben Rothwell fight. You know, Ben Rothwell was a good run. He definitely beat his ass. I just watched it, actually. You know, he definitely schooled Ben up, point-fighted him, jabbed his body up. But the thing is, Ben Rothwell ain't no fucking technical striker. Ben Rothwell is a sit-back, fucking, you know, land, try to get you to come in and land one-shot guy and, or choke you out. So, you know... Um, I think it was a case of, you know, the people built Ben Rothwell up to be this guy that he wasn't. Um, and then, you know, the second he fought Stipe, you know, it went right back to reality. And, you know, JDS thinks it, it was actually a fluke, you know. He thinks that Stipe landed a lucky punch. <laughs> so, you know, this guy ain't thinking straight. So, you know, personally, I don't think JDS will ever see the old JDS again. Not saying that he can't get the win, but I don't think we'll ever see the old uh, JDS ever again. And, you know, like we said, these guys with that with that damage meter building up, you know, they just, their whole game starts to diminish. And Blagoy, you know, he's got nothing to lose here. I mean, shit, he's fighting the number of fucking top 10 all-time great heavyweight that, let's be honest here, his chin is seriously diminished. And Blagoy's chin is fresh. I know his chin's probably never been tested at this level. But, I mean, in terms of heavyweight damage, Bagoy's young. He's fresh. You know, he's looking at JDS like a fucking steak. And one thing I like about Bagoy, Bagoy gets his job done a lot, you know, by any means necessary. And, you know, the fact that he never got fluke KO'd out there on that World Series scene, you know, because he's in the heavyweight division, you know, that's where the fluke KOs happen. So, you know, I think uh, is going to come out here. I think he's going to back into the fence like he does. He's got a big belly, but I think his counter punches against the fence are really good. I think JDS is going to, you know, think he's got a good angle on him. And the next thing you know, I think JDS is going to be unconscious on the on the canvas sleep. You know, I think that JDS will be winning until he backs Bagoy up against that fence. And then uh, when they exchange, Bagoy will land that right hook, left straight combo, and JDS will be sleep. So I got Blagoy for the upset. I wouldn't be shocked if JDS boxed him up. But like I said, I don't think we're ever going to see that guy again. I think that guy is long gone. I think this guy's going to be a little timid. He hasn't fought in a while. He's already been timid. Like his last fucking Overeem fight, the Stipe fight, you know, 
Ben Roethlisberger fight, congrats to him. But I think uh, Blagoy is going to pull off this upset. And uh, Cash is as a plus 150. It's going to be interesting, man. Uh, you know, JDS, when he was on his run, man, he was, in my opinion, the greatest heavyweight of all time. You know, not in terms of title defenses, but just in terms of resume. I mean, UFC debut against Wardoom, rode that all the way until his title shot with Kane, knocked out Kane in the first round, defended the belt against Mir, beat Stipe along the way. So, you know, JDS has beat the who's who. He's beat everyone there is to be, basically. But, man, he's taken so much damage. Those two Kane fights were super hard to watch. And, you know, JDS used to be the guy. You could go out there, hit him with a baseball bat, and he'll uh, keep walking forward. You know, my boy Kane had to call in backup. My boy Kane had to call in the mat. You know, he had to slam uh, uh, JDS on his head on the mat, you know, for him to get a knockout because he couldn't knock him out on his own. But at this point, those days are long gone. Now my boy uh, Sigano is taking canvas naps on the reg. But Blagoy doesn't have this kind of experience at all. I know he's coming into the UFC with a serious record. I know he's beat some guys in World Series of Fighting, but this is a completely different level. I'm not convinced he's got the pressure style to beat Junior Dos Santos. If you're going to beat Junior, you have to pressure him. I know Overeem kind of sat back, but at that point, Overeem was uh, on his little run, you know, to his title shot. But aside from that, all the guys that have beaten JDS have pressured him. Kane pressured the fuck out of him both times. Uh, Stipe pressured the fuck out of him both times. You know, I know uh, JDS officially won the first time, but, you know, a lot of people thought Stipe might have won it, but bottom line, Stipe won the second time, and he won it via pressure. So I think Blagoy is kind of slow in comparison to a guy like Stipe and a guy like Kane. At the same time, heavyweights, you know, he lands that one big shot, and Junior does have a diminishing chin. Junior is coming off a USADA suspension. Don't be surprised if uh, Junior takes a nap on that canvas. But I do think that there is a skill gap here. I think Junior is the better guy. I think Junior can pop that jab, and I think he can uh, have a similar performance to the Ben Rothwell fight. The difference here is that Blagoy is better than Ben Rothwell for sure. He's more well-rounded. He's not more experienced in the UFC, but he's definitely a bigger threat in my opinion. So Junior is going to have to move around a little bit in this fight. And it being five rounds actually makes me think that Blagoy has more of a chance to catch him along the way than if it was three rounds. But all that said, you know, just based on the tape, I think Junior is the better fighter, and I think uh, he finally gets a, another UFC win here. So I'm going to go with Junior to win this main event. Well, now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, how's it going? Good, man. Uh, DC killed it. Glad I had him as a bet, and I'm ready to continue. Let's get some more money this weekend. Man, the champ, champ. So, I mean, where does he stack among uh, the all-time greats, in your opinion? Uh, he's, he's definitely up there. I mean, top three, but John Jones is the greatest of all time. Uh, it's not even close. Steroids or not, everyone he fought was on steroids back in his day. So, I don't hold him against him. He's the greatest I've ever seen. Can't wait for him to come back, John Jones. That's right. Let, let him know, Kyle. Let him know. So, uh, speaking of the greatest of all time, you know, there was a time when this guy named Junior Cigano was on this run. He knocked out Fabricio Werdum in his UFC debut. He rode that momentum all the way to a title win over Cain Velasquez. He defended that title. He beat guys like Stipe Miocic along the way. I mean, JDS is one of the best of all time. But he's taking on this newcomer who's coming into the UFC with a serious record and some serious hype. Which way are you leaning? Uh, I'm leaning with the former champ here. Uh, JDS is honestly one of my favorite fighters. Uh, how can you not like this guy? Especially if you hear him talk, he just sounds like the nicest guy of all time. But super violent fighter. And I just don't see how this, this little guy is going to come in here and beat Junior Dos Santos unless he knocks him out. Um, so I do have 
interest in both guys for that reason because maybe JDS is fading, doesn't have the chin he used to, and his opponent, uh, Ivanov, is only $7,500 on DraftKings. So if he's going to win by knockout, he's going to pay that off. So I do have interest in him. But I just have way more interest in JDS. He's going to have the height reach advantage. He's going to have the boxing advantage. I think he's going to have the power advantage as well. Uh, great wrestling defense. He should be able to keep this on the feet. I think this is Junior Dos Santos's fight to win, or Junior Dos Santos' fight to lose, however you want to say it. Uh, and I, I would rather spend the $8,700 on him. I have a hard time seeing him not paying that off with five rounds to work with. Uh, but overall, this is one of my favorite fights to target. I think uh, if you're making GPPs, you got to throw this in there. Uh, and it's probably going to be on the winning lineup, whoever wins. I mean, if you could pick one weight class to take the aging fighter in, it's got to be heavyweight, man, because it seems like these guys have nine lives. Yeah, no doubt. And it only takes one punch with those guys. So even if he has faded, he could hit that one punch before his chin gets tested and he can win that way. So, yeah, you're right. Heavyweights are the spot to take these older guys. So before we talk about the next fight, just because we're on the topic of heavyweights, I got to know your opinion. I got to know uh, Dr. Marley's uh, informed opinion. What's the deal with uh, with Francis Ngannou? <laughs> I mean, Dr. Marley is my wife, so I can't go into those details, you know, but I have no idea, dude. I, I was thinking that was an easy fight for him as well. Uh, maybe Miosic changed him, man. He, he stole his confidence from him, and uh, maybe he just doesn't believe in himself. I don't know. I, I think he will get it straightened out. Um, maybe he was just worried about Lewis. I mean, if I was fighting Lewis, I'd be scared too. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure, dude, but I'm hoping he comes back better than ever because it'd be a shame to see that talent go to waste. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just crazy to think about my boy and Ganu uh, sitting at the shrink's uh, office on that couch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this co-main event, we got Sage Northcutt taking on Zach Otto. Uh, you know, a lot of us talk about Fading Sage, but Fading Sage doesn't have a very good long-term record. But the times that he has lost, and even in some of his wins, he's been exposed uh, along the way with his chin issues, his submission defense, his takedown defense. You think Zach Otto's uh, going to be the third guy to expose that? Uh, I think he very well could be. I think he does have that clear path to victory um, if that's the way he wants to take it, man. If he wants to go with that wrestling game plan, uh, he can either win via decision or submission. But I think he's going to want to strike with Sage because uh, you build your name off of a name like Sage Northcutt. And if you can knock Sage Northcutt out, his fans become your fans maybe. So I think that's the way Otto is going to go with this fight. And he's going to try and stand with Sage. And I think uh, he's going to be losing on the feet. And his wrestling is going to be his backup game plan. So I'm actually leaning with Sage in this one. 22 years old, man. This kid's going to improve every single fight. So I think his takedown defense might be a little bit better if Otto does go with that game plan and maybe he can keep it on the feet. 170 pounds, this freak with muscles on muscles could knock out anybody, I think. So I'm going to go ahead and lean with the young kid, take source Sage Northcutt with the hype train surrounding him. Um, and I'm hoping that he has a lot of haters picking Otto here and that's going to make him over-owned in GPP. So I would like Northcutt to be a little under-owned, but I don't see that happening with his name. 
So uh, Bermudez is taking on Rick Glenn. It's interesting, man, because Dennis Bermudez, I mean, he's a talented guy. He's got skills, but for some reason he always finds a way to lose these days. I don't know what it is. I mean, he's a guy that beat Max Holloway back in the day, even though it was a bullshit decision. He still got that win on his resume. But uh, lately, he's, he's what, 2-5 and five in his last seven? So you think he's going to snap that, that skid here against the very tough Rick Glenn? Uh, this, is, this is one of those fights where I like both sides in GPPs. You can't trust Bermudez's chin, so for that reason, I like Rick Glenn at a cheap price of 7200 But at the same time, Bermudez is the type of fighter you want to target in DraftKings. He's going to go for takedowns. He might even shoot for 10 takedowns in a fight, and that's what I like to see. Um, I, I am going to lean with him to get the win. So uh, I would like him a little bit more than Glenn, but this is a, uh, a fight that I'd be using both guys if I'm making multiple lineups. Uh, if I was making one lineup, I'm not exactly sure what I would do. I might just fade it since I'm not sure. But it's one of my favorite fights to target if you are multi-entering. So the Battle of the Moms. We got Marion Renault taking on Kazangano. I mean, dude... The 41-year-old Renault, she doesn't lose a lot. And Kat Zingano, she's only fought the elite of that division. So which way are you going? Uh, yeah, so I think this is a tough one. And I've gone back and forth a few times on that one. Uh, so I think, honestly, what I'm going to do is just side with what I would want to happen on DraftKings. And I think uh, Zingano has the higher ceiling with her takedown ability and aggressive pace that I'm just going to go with her. Uh, they're both 8,100. So, honestly, I'm just going to go ahead and 50-50 this fight. Anything I make with Singano, I'll make with Renault as well. Um, but if you're making one lineup, uh, Zingano, I think, could be a good play for it. At 8,100, if she wins, I think she's going to easily get 10x that, that salary. Uh, and she should be the one going for takedowns, looking for that top game. So I do kind of like Zingano. I'm just really not confident in her. So if I was making one lineup, I probably would just go ahead and fade this fight since I'm not confident in either one of them. But again, it's another one I like to target in multi-entering. Uh, so maybe throw in one lineup of each of them with your favorite fighters, and that way you, at least you got the winner in a GPP. Yeah, I mean, Marion... The thing that's interesting about her is she gets taken down every single fight, but somehow she finds a way to come back and win. So even if Zingano were to take a loss, she could still uh, score a lot of points with those takedowns like you mentioned. Yeah, no, I mean, and both both chicks don't like going to decision. Uh, they've both finished most of their fights. So $8,100 either way, you would think that the winner is going to pay off that price tag. So I do like this fight a lot. My only problem is that I'm not confident in either fighter so it's making me not want to put them in lineups if that makes sense uh but if you have the money to blow man and you can waste some lineups i recommend just duplicating lineups and using both of them so alejandro perez i know at the betting window he's been amazing i mean the guy wins basically every single fight he's he's been in minus the you know the one fluke against patrick williams a while back and eddie wineland you know, obviously, the name Wineland, you know, he's uh, the former WEC champ, so everyone respects him. A lot of dog action has come in that way. You think uh, you think Eddie Wineland's the one to stop the streak of Alejandro Perez? Uh, man, honestly, I don't really think he's going to be the one to stop the streak. But 
with all that dog line uh, movement that has come in, I would rather have Wineland on DraftKings. I would rather save the two get uh, the two grand and just go ahead and pick Wineland rather than Perez because Perez doesn't have a high ceiling with the way he fights. At ninety one hundred dollars, it's gonna be hard for him to get ninety one points unless he gets a finish really. So I would lean Wineland in this matchup uh, on DraftKings, but my pick is gonna be Perez. So Darren Elkins is taking on Alex Volkanovsky. You know Darren Elkins has the most underdog wins in UFC featherweight history. He's constantly disrespected, and he always comes through as the dog. I know you remember that Mirsad Bektik fight. And once again, uh, he's a plus 255 dog. So now the question is, do you think it's justified in this spot, or do you think he's being overlooked again? Uh, yeah, I do think Volkan is a title contender, really. And Elkins, I mean, he's got more heart than anybody the, the guy will never quit. Uh, I just don't see how he hangs with Volcan here. I think his best shot at victory would be to take that early ass beating and end up gassing Volcan and finishing him late. I just don't see that happening again. Um, and Volcan should be better everywhere here. So he's the highest priced guy on the card for a reason, in my opinion. I think he could pay that salary off. Um, so Volcan's really my my guy in this fight. I, I like him a lot more. So Randy Brown's taking on Nico Price. You know we got a lot of respect for both those guys. They both came out and cash max bets in uh, both of their last fights. And you know for a fact, even though it's a pick 'em, the winner of this fight is probably going to win uh, pretty brutally and in, in pretty uh, spectacular fashion. So which way are you leaning? Uh, man, I don't know if it's actually going to end that way. I can see this going to a decision. Uh, which is making me also not want to put these guys in as many lineups because uh, I think it's going to be a pretty close fight, maybe a split decision. Uh, so I'm just not confident in putting either guy in a lot of lineups. I think I would prefer Nico Price because he is cheaper. I think he's got the higher ceiling. Um, but if if I was making one lineup, I doubt I would use this. Um, and if I was making 20 lineups, I'd probably want both of these guys, but I would prefer more price uh, for that higher ceiling. Cash games, man, I'm not confident in either one of these, so I probably wouldn't use them. So last but not least, Jody Esquivel's taking on Jessica Aguilar, and you know Jody was plus 145 the first time. She's minus 145 here the second time. I don't expect either of them to score that many points. I know who I'm picking as a winner. Uh, what's your opinion? Yeah, I don't expect either one of these chicks to score very high either, so I'm I'm probably going to full fade this fight. Um, if you're going to start any card late, this is probably the one to do it because I just really don't have a lot of interest in this at all. My pick's going to be Jody. Uh, she's going to be younger, probably probably faster at this point. She'll be able to keep it on the feet, uh, and if she can't keep it on the feet, I think she'll pull out a decision. Uh, I just think the most likely outcome here is going to be that decision no matter who wins, and I don't see either scoring highly. So I'm, I'm going to fade this fight, uh, and I really don't have any interest in watching it, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Appreciate it, my man. The fans can follow you at Big Marley 3, and uh, Kyle will speak next week. I believe it's time for uh, UFC Hamburg. Hell yeah, bro. Uh, I got my DraftKings article posted. $7.99, all my secrets, only $7.99. So hit me up, uh, link's posted on Twitter. Good luck to you and all the listeners this weekend. All right, man, we'll speak soon. All right, bro, take care. You too. Well, Shaq, uh, now we got to talk about the fight to watch 
and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Boise? My fight to watch is going to be uh, Alexander Volkanovski versus Darren Elkins. Because if Volkanovski gets this win, he takes out the number 10 guy in the world. Now he's top 10. And now he's 18-1. and one, And now you can put him in there with any of the top guys at featherweight. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see that fight to see if he really is this guy that they're uh, building him up to be. Because I think he's got the skills, but... We know that, historically speaking, Darren Elkins wins these type of fights. I mean, that's absolutely one of the fights to watch because I'm just fucking curious what's going to happen here. I mean, is Alex going to extend that record to 18-1? Is Darren Elkins going to cash seventh time in a row as an underdog? Like, you know, so I'm curious about that. But my fight to watch is Nico Price versus Randy Brown. I think it's a pick em for a reason. I think that both of these guys have bright futures. I think they're both uh, very, uh, very exciting guys to watch, and they're both well-rounded as well. So... I can't wait to see uh, who gets that one. That's my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is uh, your fighter to watch for UFC Boise? My fighter to watch is going to be uh, Fury Jury. I mean, he gets a chance to take out a legend. And, you know, it's a Lions versus Alpha Male. So, you know, that's a series. You know, my boy Jeremy's going to be down there. And Dom's going to be cage-side, uh, giving him advice. So, that's a big moment, a Lions versus Alpha Male. And uh, we get to see Chad come back. So, we'll see how uh, he's off, how he's looking off those uh, steroids. Yeah, I'm very curious about that fight for sure. My fighter to watch is Alejandro Turbo Perez. I mean, this guy's quietly developing one of the best records in the UFC bantamweight division. And now he's got that step up in competition in terms of name value. So if he can come out here and beat a guy like Eddie Weiland, it's just going to propel him into that top 10 of the UFC bantamweight division, give him a big fight next. And uh, for that reason, Alejandro is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, uh, we did it. It's going down tomorrow, Saturday, UFC Boise, JDS versus Ivanov. And, uh, you know, it's Max Bet Season. They can sign up at bestfightpicks.com. They can sign up at maxbetseason.com. They can send us that email at bestfightpicks at gmail.com. And uh, it's time to get the job done on Saturday, my man. Yes, sir. Max Bet Season going down in Boise. We're going to get the job done, bounce back from that L last week. And uh, we appreciate all the all the support we get. And we, uh, like we said, if you guys like us, we like you, so. 100%. So thank you to you guys. Uh, make sure you follow me at Best Fight Picks. Follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Follow our Instagram at Best Fight Picks Official. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those five-star reviews on iTunes. Shaq and I will be back next week to break down the next card. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.